know. Yeah, I don't feel like it. Yeah, right, let's, just, let's just let's just quietly. We'll put out a silent. Put out a ninety minute. Let's just stare at you. Put out a ninety yeah. minute yeah. silent podcast. Call it a night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can actually. That would be. Yeah, just, that would make editing really fucking easy. Actually, I'd be pretty goddamn. Happy. I know. It'd be it'd be tough to get everybody in sync though, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, you gotta make sure all that hiss is just right. But I think I, mm-hmm. I think I could swing that a little bit faster than editing. <laughs> the dance episode. robot dance staring contest oh, episode. Yeah. Do that for sure. uh, so it'd be really easy because there's only like you and I. So because Tim's not in the <laughs> not in our uh, hangout this week. Not yet. That's yeah. true. Something still, fucked up. Still clicking around. Uh, all right. So welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. We are at episode 70. I'm Mark. I'll be your host this fine Friday evening. Uh, I'm here with Tim. Hi, everybody. And Christy has again disappeared or is doing something. I'm not sure what she's doing at this week anymore. Um, so again, we are joined by Paul from Korea. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, you have to say hi. The South Korea, the South Korea, not the yeah. North Korea not that the, I mentioned last week. Not the bad one. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, Paul, you have to actually say something to say hello. You can't just dance at the fucking webcam. Like, <laughs> visual yeah, visual bits on the audio podcast. It's still kind of like having Christy here because it's still like doing visual bits on a audio format. So yeah yeah but on on the other hand yeah i'm not exhausted i am currently caffeinating so we've got kind of the so we've got about like half an hour till you need to take your morning shit and then you're uh no i already did that (laughs) awesome all right that's what i was (laughs) good to know i was worried i was worried about that being a problem as we kind of moved along here don't worry i'm regular i'm regular it's all good Uh, lots of fiber (laughs) in the diet good always always awesome so how you guys doing this week amazing pretty good yeah, it's been a busy, busy week in geeky ways. I got to see that early uh, uh, screening of Justice League and did some other stuff we'll talk about during the uh, Geek of the Week. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's been good. Cool. Yeah. Busy, but good. Yeah. I had a, a one of the most intense weeks in, when you are a Korean, uh, an English teacher in Korea is open class when the moms come in and watch you teach their kids. And I had that this week. So um, I'm terrifying. Cur- it was. It, it is the most nerve wracking thing. But now that I'm coming down from that, I feel a sense of like ease and bliss. So I'm just rolling with that, and I'm very excited to talk about my geek of the week too. Because oh yeah, it's very neat. <laughs> is it gonna be? Is it gonna be about uh, your failed attempt to buy RAM for your laptop? Because no, well, that was no. pretty geeky and still ongoing. Hey. So. Yeah, but no, since that is an ongoing saga, um, since I got the wrong kind of RAM, uh, I will not be talking about that. Well played. Amateur. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I blame the fact that I can't just, you know, go on PC Part Picker or uh, Amazon to get what I need. I have to use G Market, yeah. which is the Korean Amazon, which is far, far more finicky and has translation wonk and it's just and having and having tried to search it today while i was trying to figure out what the fuck paul did when he ordered the wrong ram i was like i understand how he got it wrong because that's like <laughs> is horrific so it's an internet explorer based environment <laughs> in yeah. korea they still use it for they have to use it for online banking because of certain security 
legislation that they have in what as in like we don't we don't want good active security so like we use internet (laughs) it's it's to keep it good and vulnerable yeah Yeah, it's got to be very vulnerable no (laughs) encryption no nothing like that the number one for fen yeah the number one country for identity theft through the internet can you imagine well yeah, because you're I using. Can't, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine why. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're using explorers, you're, you know, <laughs> baseline. So bad. That's funny. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get into the news. There's a, there's a fair fair bit of news going on this week. We'll try and keep it. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty heavy the last couple of weeks. So there is that. Um, I think first and foremost, uh, this week was two giant releases happened. Kind of technically yesterday and today. Tim saw Justice League on Tuesday, but it officially released last night, which is when I went and saw it. And then today was Punisher hit Netflix streaming. So those are both out there and kind of ready to be consumed. I have I've seen Justice League and am eight episodes like going into the ninth episode of Punisher. Uh, I enjoyed both. I have reservations with both. Mm. So I don't know when we'll get a chance yeah. to actually like in detail talk about them. But yeah, I'm sure we will. But that that's about where I'm sitting right now as well. Uh, I did. I enjoyed both of them. I was. I was pretty happy with Justice League overall. There, there were some issues with it, but it was a uh, far cry better than uh, Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's my main takeaway from it is that like it's not as it's not anywhere near as good as Wonder Woman. Like, it, don't even hope for something that good. And if you're going to compare it to what's going on across the street, that's a horrible idea too. Because Justice yeah. League versus Avengers is they there's that what wow, one's a shit what like, relatively speaking one is a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely not the Marvel one. I can. Um, so I think taking on its own merits, it's it's a fun popcorn movie. But I don't think it would be much more than that after the fact. So um, I saw a good meme today about like the way Marvel did their origins, where it was like Iron Man, uh, Hulk, Iron Man two, Cap, Avengers, and then mm-hmm. uh, if they had done it the way DC was doing it, it would have been Iron Man, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> would have been the opening order of movies from DC. Like, yeah, kind of is pretty accurate. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So it's a good little bit of jumping around compared to the, uh, like five movies Marvel did in prep to do their yeah. big team up movie. So, so. if <laughs> I'm, probably not going to pay to see it still, but I might download it. So like, what was the, your highs and lows for like which performances were good. What did you hate? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is still the absolute fucking centerpiece of that entire franchise. Like, especially now, I think, I think she's yeah. the breakout star out of everybody. There's a lot of people that are really enjoying Ezra Miller as the flash. Yeah, I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm on the fence on it. Uh, it's, it's entertaining. It's not really any version of the flat of, of Barry Allen, at least that uh, I've ever seen before. Yeah. That being said, I'm, I still have some hope for it. I think it could work. I want to see the flash movie before I fully like pass judgment on it, but uh, it, it has, his performance has been getting a lot of love from like the general public, if not so much from like comic fans. Yeah. I think the fanboy base, which obviously I'm a part of kind of was not super keen on it. And that may just be because we're all four years invested in Grant Gustin's flash too, which is Mm -hmm. going to be one of those ongoing things where like they have a flash going on in the movie and the TV show. And like, yeah, the flash on TV can be a little hit or miss sometimes, but his performance overall has been 
probably the high point of the show. Well, I mean, him and Joe, I guess. But like, they're, the, the, the performances on that show are very strong for what it is. And then like having this other guy doing a very, I don't know, like he comes off mildly autistic because of his. Oh, yeah. I think they're trying to say that he's on this. Like, well, I mean, they, they as much say that like he uh, has trouble like relating to other people and they sort of play it off as it's part of his power set. Yeah, well, it's just because he's so much faster. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which makes sense, kind of, but it is like, oh, uh, they're just kind of like, it's kind of an inclusivity by default yeah. kind of thing, which and feels a little weird. Like, so. Zack Snyder mis- fundamentally misunderstanding these characters is not exactly a new thing, considering what he did to Superman. So, like, I'm not. Uh, I don't know if that's him or if that's if that's mm-hmm. studio uh, pressure kind of thing. It feels kind of like it was him because it feels like a lot of what like the best parts of Superman and justice league were felt like parts of the reshoots. Like the last, I'm going to say 20 minutes of it are where like, I was like, this feels like what I would have wanted them to be doing all along. Like it, it felt more like, like DC animated kind mm-hmm. of like that big, hopeful uplifting thing by the end. And that was when Superman kind of like re-enters <gasps> the story, which is interesting. <laughs> Spoilers, by the way, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was like the, yeah, least spoilery part of because everybody yeah. knew Superman. Yeah, everybody knows Superman's coming back. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's 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 not. I I yeah. If you're if you're where you're at mentally with it at this point, yeah. I'm not going to try and convince you to go see it. But I mean, mm-hmm. I know I you'll see. check it out eventually out of curiosity. So <laughs> and it's going to yeah, make a shit ton of money true. without you going to see it. <laughs> well, the projections the projections got lowered today. Did you see that? There was a story floating around that they're they're not even thinking that it, it might not break a hundred million dollars this weekend. Like it, they've they've reestimated oh, the opening. I saw like three hundred and twenty five or something like that at one point. Well, I was just talking domestic. This is domestic. I was I have oh, domestic okay. numbers in front of me, but they're yeah. saying like it was projected for one hundred and ten, and it's now projected for just above ninety. So yeah, but the DC movies have massive legs internationally. Yeah, but- domestically yeah, yeah. the only movie that had legs was wonder woman because there was a huge drop off after batman v superman and suicide squad mm-hmm. yeah week two of batman v superman yeah. was historically bad if i'm not mistaken like the drop off was really yeah. funny um, that's gonna look really bad on them especially as the like c-tier marvel franchise came out and is like now crushing it three weeks in a row like even thor is projected yeah. to do another 30 million dollars this weekend so it's been an interesting kind of like it's going to be an interesting like weekend for the DC, like the Warner executives, because I think they're going to finally be like, OK, we have a serious fucking problem here. Let's just give Gal Gadot all the money and just put her in everything. <laughs> Hashtag cause... give it to Patty. Give it to Patty. Jake. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm I would like I said, I think she'd be great. Like, I think the tone of Wonder Woman would suit a Justice League movie. Mm. Oh, yeah. Not the DCEU one, but like a Justice League movie in my head would that, that the Wonder Woman tone would suit like the justice league in my head better than that. So, yeah. And I, I don't want to spend too much more time on justice league. Cause yeah. there's a bunch of other stuff to cover. But the one thing that I will say is like, tonally it was, it had a lot more heart than any of the, uh, the pre wonder woman DCEU yeah. movies did. Uh, and so uh, I think that that is clearly Patty Jenkins influence, even though she didn't actually, uh, I think it was, I think it's partially kind of thing, but yeah, I think it's partially the wonder woman, Patty Jenkins influence. And also, um, Joss being there and bringing that that Marvel kind of style, but I mean, the street, you know, what I mean? one of the producers said that Joss only like of the finished product. Joss's was stuff was only like maybe ten or fifteen percent of it. I think I think that's horseshit because like the amount of reshot stuff that you could blatantly see in the movie was pretty high. Like almost mm-hmm. every scene had inserts put into it, from what I could tell. 
So we'll see. We'll find out, I guess, when they put out a commentary or something. Yeah. Eventually we'll, we'll hear about it. So, um, only slightly adjacent to that. When you saw it, did you see the, uh, the Deadpool trailer? No, it didn't. Wasn't attached to it. Oh no. Um, have you watched the Deadpool trailer? I have. Yes. Okay. They, there is a version of that trailer attached to justice league, but it's PG and oh. therefore like all the good jokes you cut out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really like all the parts that I laughed at while I was watching it on YouTube, right. Cause mm. it's unrated on YouTube. I'm like, they either cut out the language or like, they're like the joke where he's fucking, he keeps making jokes about whacking off his brush or whatever. They have to, they cut those out. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to clean my brush. And then he sits there for like, at like the three or four seconds where he like smacks the brush. Against <laughs> the head. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This, this like, isn't funny. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't funny at all. Like people were laughing, like weren't really laughing. We're all, I was like, yeah, it's because you've seen it on YouTube. It's funnier on YouTube because yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hysterical on YouTube. Like he's like, oh, I I love cocaine so much in in the online version, and like he says, I love uh, like it just blanks it out kind of on the theatrical <laughs> version. I'm like, Is that, that's the best joke in the whole fucking in the whole trailer. <laughs> Cut it out. Well, at least you don't have to worry this, about this a super spoilery trailer where they give all the good jokes out. But that it's, it just boggles my mind that they wouldn't just shoot a bra- like a totally yeah. new trailer for the PG audience. That's so weird. Yeah, it's a really it was a really I was watching it thinking like this is a really weird decision to like take this very R rated uh, like red band trailer and try and edit it down for like a PG audience. Whereas yeah. like half the jokes are gone now. And I'm like, I don't understand why you would do that. So, yeah, no, it uh, it, it was an awesome teaser. I, it's not a trailer. Yeah. It's a teaser. But yeah. uh, no, it was it was great. Fucking Negasonic like, Teenage Warhead looks hot as fuck in that in the yeah. like half second that she's on screen. But yeah. uh, no, I mean it looks. I mean it looks like what I expect Deadpool two to be. And she's a pretty good uh, little actress, actually. She's in uh, this season of The Exorcist, and mm-hmm. she's been really good on that too. So I'm actually pretty impressed with her so far. Um, I'm excited that she's like actually has hair. She yeah. has hair. <laughs> I'm still weirded out that they picked that character then changed her power set but yeah like i re- i really liked her in the deadpool movie so it was like that was just like a fanboy yeah. nitpick more than anything because yeah. she was pretty damn mm-hmm. funny but like yeah, yeah i'm excited for deadpool too that's probably that's the fox like movie that or like the fox marvel movie that i'm the most invested in at this point is just like those deadpool movies are just funny mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm in for those um where do we want to go next? Let's talk about potential movies before we get into the depressing shit. So that we can, we'll end with that and then move on. So there was a story going around this week. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, that Sony's next Spider-Man movie spinoff that they want to do, maybe about uh, Morbius, the vampire. Mm. Oh, I hadn't seen that one. Yeah, it was on io9 this week. It, I just, I. They've been talking about a Mobius while a uh, Mobius movie back and forth for a while now it's been like yeah. buzzed kind of thing well they're still going ahead with that venom movie that uh tom hardy's in because he's apparently in the what's process already filming getting, yeah well he's getting like read he was he was just talking about getting rejacked because he's always pretty like mm-hmm. cut for stuff but i guess he's some other stuff but there's like i don't know why sony won't just like leave shit alone and just let marvel make the money with spider-man like <laughs> yeah yeah just get out of your own way kind of thing so yeah i think that's like morbius the my only experience with morbius was on the 90s animated spider-man where it's like and they uh, wasn't even a vampire he had the hand yeah, things that was and they stupid. couldn't even say he drinks blood he absorbs plasma because that was the 90s and you can 
in a kid's show you couldn't say the word blood. So he was pretty fucking lame in that. And I don't understand why they would pick of all the Spider-Man villains of all this. Like it's not even really a villain. No, he's kind of anti-hero. Well, not even like he's, he's one of those like misunderstood monsters kind of thing. That's like 90% of the Spider-Man villains, like the lizard. And yeah, like, yeah, I don't, uh, I always, I always think it's weird that he's considered a Spider-Man villain. Like I always associate him more with Blade, or like that, or like the Marvel Dracula, like that side of things, like the two Dracula comics. That's where he came from. So I'm like, it seems weird to me that like, oh, he's a Spider-Man villain. I'm like, I guess he's been in the book a couple times. I don't consider him a a villain or b like a Spider-Man character necessarily. Any more than I consider like Punisher a Spider-Man character or villain, even though like he kind of premiered in a Spider-Man. But I mean, we've known so. for a while that uh, Marvel was going to start sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of characters, right? Yeah. So this is, yeah. this is them getting to that point where they're like, what the fuck do we make a movie on now? Instead of just making sequels. It works really well in the case of like Guardians or something like mm. that, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, it can work. It's just like, I don't have any faith in Sony's ability to do this without mm-hmm. Marvel's right. input. So. I think like we've, I've talked about this before where it's like you, you have the, the opportunity to pick a a C-list character and then explore a genre movie with it. You know, like with Morbius, you could do like a schlocky horror film if you wanted to and make it really fun. Like I wouldn't like mm. taking, taking uh, the C-list character seriously seems like a bad choice. Overall. Yeah, but they, they did that though. That, that's what Blade was, and that's what kicked off all the yeah. comic book movies. Yeah. Like everybody forgets about Blade for some that's reason. That's true. Like, well, that was also at a time when like sort of sexy vampire movies were kind of chic too, yeah. right? So that is probably part of why that happened. Like you had stuff like uh, Queen of the Damned or whatever coming out as well around that time. Dracula 2000. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was just pre Twilight too, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think like I think that there are C-list characters you could take seriously and have a lot of and still have a lot of fun with like Moon Knight or uh, they were talking about a Silver Sable movie from the uh, Spider-Man canon from Sony, which I think is I mean, if you're going to it was supposed to be a black cat, Silver Sable, like buddy chick flick superhero movie, which could be fun. But like, I want to see that with Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn more than I want to see that with. Well, that, that Sirens movie is still there, but I'm still, it's still up for debate whether any of the DC slate ever gets actually made. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, yeah. it's, I don't know. So yeah. Yeah. Cause Fox, uh, the other story I had written down here, uh, James Franco yeah. is set to play multiple man, even if, or Jamie Madrox. even fucking deeper cut for sure. Yeah. Which is like the weirdest fucking cut of all time. That X-Force run that uh, Paul and I read, there was an X-Force run where uh, Jamie was running a detective agency. Was it X- Remember that run? X Factor. Peter- yeah, this Peter David was Factor. Peter David wrote it. Yeah, yeah. that was really it was awesome, good. It was a really good run. Yeah. Um, so if it's based around that kind of side of things, but like I can't see James Franco pulling doing pulling it off. Kind of a well, it's such like a noir kind of story mm-hmm. that they're telling in that that was that arc, which is probably the most popular, well, probably the best X Factor arc or the most notable X Factor arc anyway. Yeah. Or Jamie like Madrox arc. So like I don't like Speaking of scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel, like multiple man, like Jesus. It feels like one of those characters that they could do like a a weird uh, vertigo-y type um, story with kind of thing. And James Franco seems like just the kind of guy that would want to do that sort of story. So I wonder if that's kind of where they're looking to take it, maybe like a a Grant Morrison-y, you know, uh, Warren Ellis kind of fucked up thing. 
you could go yeah it's the thing because like this could go either like really fucked up or really funny like this you could play this as a comedy too yeah like, yeah like the multiple the multiple splits of him like doing goofy shit and like you could go really sophomoric with it like and make it a comedy movie in the x-men which, universe, which is also a james go, franco like, thing to do yeah make it a, exactly, make it a stoner right? movie Oh God! Exactly. I have, which he totally could. I mean, he could, and if the the director has has that intent behind it, then yeah, James Franco is a good choice. But I will never forgive James Franco's performance in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, how he was stoned the entire time while the <laughs> everyone else was trying to take the movie seriously, and you could tell that he was just off his fucking rocker, like. If that's if if that's going to be uh, a sticking point with you, like people stoned while they're performing, then really don't go see fucking Justice League because I think Affleck was on something the entire time he's on camera. Because you you had a lot more problems with Affleck's performance than I did, though. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Was my main thing with Affleck's performance? Like he looked bored. And he keeps thing. fucking cock teasing the entire internet with all this. Like, will will he? Won't he? Stay, uh, yeah. stay as Batman. Yeah, there was another story about that this week that I was like, I don't even want to talk yeah. about it because Tim's gonna get all fucking huffy about it and blah 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 blah. And I don't want to. <laughs> what? That, I don't want to talk about it again that? anyway because he. Yeah, because yeah, no, he just keeps doing this over and over. Yeah, again. I'm sick of it. I mean, it's like shooting it off the pot. Like, yeah, exactly. That's very much what it is at this point. And I mean, I I, I still like him as Batman, but uh, I I would rather. Yeah, I just I just don't want any more of this. Will they? Won't they? I'd be happy to have him continue being Batman. I'd be happy. You know, I wouldn't be heartbroken if he left, but mm-hmm. I just want it to be fucking decided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, they're gonna keep him like quippy Batman, like he was in Justice League. I I may prefer to see him go because we'll talk about that when we yeah. sit down. Can we actually do a review Justice League. Yeah. Well, hopefully Christy's seen both those movies and we can double fist them next week or something like that. We can talk Maybe. about Thor and Justice League. So so the other, the only other movie that is like in talks that has kind of revived this week was uh, Jason Momoa has been talking about doing a remake of The Crow for a while now. Yeah, that, that yeah. awoke this week. Yeah, and uh, I've seen multiple articles, including one on io9 that I was reading that was like, should we even bother doing this? And I am firmly on the let's not yeah, and pretend that we did kind of thing. io9's headline was, here's an idea, let's never ever remake the pro. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And I totally agree with that. Like the director and like the director they have hooked up to, it's like somebody who's like directing the fifth Conjuring sequel or something like that. So it's not even like Plus the they fucking, have somebody the the fucking uh, uh, production of the original one was cursed to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was. Uh, I still love that movie. Like that original oh, yeah, movie is still one of my favorites. Like it's such a great movie. But like, yeah, seeing it remade, I'm just like I have no interest in like yeah. seeing that redone at all. No, because it's such just like a. First of all, it's such like a, a period '90s like yeah alternative piece you know yeah. what i mean like it's it doesn't just necessarily work in yeah 2017 yeah it worked fine in 1997 but like or 1994 right so yeah it was a product of the grunge era to like in oh yeah man in, like from yeah. top to bottom that like, soundtrack that's why i talked about that soundtrack it's like nine inch nails and yeah. like the cure and helmet and stone, stone, temple and stone temple pilots and like all those bands and like all that stuff's like embedded in the dna of that movie because it's like the soundtrack is basically those songs like or not the soundtrack even the score is basically those songs right like so it's yeah. so and he's like a grunge rocker like the main character is like a grunge like guitar player and stuff like that like the eric draven character is a, 
like guitarists and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't work in 2017. How do you update that? Guitar rock's don't. dead. That's the so <laughs> that's don't the and just <laughs> yeah, don't uh, make it. The, the crow is an EDM DJ. That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. <laughs> I like, I've been fucking, yeah, just doing doing turntables and just taking a bunch of Molly or something like that. Like, oh my god, that's a different vibe it's, than it's like Skrillex. Yeah, <laughs> he takes off his giant mouse head at the end of his performance, <laughs> or it's a giant crow head because he's the crow. Yeah, yeah, he's got a giant bird head on him. <laughs> Christ, yeah, that sounds I, I terrible. Hate it. I hate it. So I, much. See, now I want to edit this whole part of the conversation out because this is exactly what they're going to do, and it'll be our <laughs> fucking fault. Like somebody be like, "Wait, that was on that podcast I heard once," and all of a sudden we'll be getting the death threats. Be like, it was because of you fuckers that they did that. <laughs> oh man. To require yeah. us to have more than 50 listeners, but that's okay. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Yeah. All right. So my the last the last p- potentially pending movie, as, as my mom won't stop posting this shit on my Facebook wall, uh, <laughs> it does sound like Deadwood is getting closer to being revived in movie form on HBO. I have no actual details on this, except for the, uh, Ian McShane has seen a script and is excited to get back to work, which just fills me with joy because if Ian McShane's already on board to come back, then they've already got the only person that matters if he comes back or not. Because mm-hmm. Deadwood's all about Ian. Goddamn McShane. Neither of you have watched that show, so I nope. Deadwood, get it's still Deadwood on my is list. on my shame list. Yeah, yeah shame, shame list shame for sure. If they end it, you guys both have to watch it. Like, yeah, that well, that's one of the things yeah. that's holding me up, right? Is that I've heard how disappointing the ending is, and there's still it's not even disappointing. It's just that it's like there isn't really an ending. Yeah. It's kind of like it's a cliffhanger, and then it never comes back. Yeah. So. But I mean, also that you know there are plenty of other series that it, well, plus that they've been teasing this forever, and they're talking about doing this movie. So I'm like, why am I going to go back and watch the series if there's a possibility they're actually going to properly end it, and I can watch it all in one go? Yep. <laughs> Which I expect you both to do if this movie ever happens, because Done. yeah, Deadwood, one of the best shows I've ever watched. Now that Westworld's a thing, I'm more it, like westerns in general just never did a lot for me unless they were like su- really stylish. Um, or you know, I've watched The Magnificent Seven like a million times because it's a fantastic yeah. film. But like, yeah, but that's just that's really just them stealing. Seven Samurai, Samurai. Ex- exactly, because like, I've seen Seven Samurai a million times too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, a, a western has to be more than just a western to really interest me. And I know that Deadwood is that, and yeah. um, it also has um, one of my favorite Canadian actresses in it, Molly Parker. Um, so yep. I'm very- who's, who's already agreed to come back too. She's she's already said oh. she would come back as well. So, so I'm like, I will watch it just for her. If it finishes, oh, she's excellent in it. Yeah, uh, she's excellent in it. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, the only problem is uh, Powers Booth was in it, and he's passed away. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, now. Mm-hmm. So. But they get uh, all fantastic to come back to because I think Timothy Oliphant was the other lead on the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know Timothy Oliphant was the other lead on the show. If him and uh, McShane are both back in, then smooth sailing for me. I'm excited to actually get a conclusion to one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. So nice. Very exciting. There, there was one more movie that you're not talking about that stars your favorite that got a trailer. This just, uh, just yesterday. oh, do you want to talk about Rampage? Because that trailer not, was not really. Kind of, I'm probably not going to see the fucking thing, but <laughs> uh, I'll see it eventually. But it's, I'm not rushing out to see it. Yeah, The Rock's new movie uh, Rampage had a trailer that uh, came out yesterday. I do love that fucking video game. 
Yeah. Know? Yeah. I have, I have memories of playing that. I think Paul and I playing it like a two, like a, one of the old stand-up machines at, mm-hmm. at the Fairview mall back in the day. I remember that. Up in quarters into the, the stand-up machines at Fairview at Tropical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tropical. Exactly. Yeah. But other than that, like, I mean, it's a rock movie. It looks like it'll probably be fun to watch. Like, it'll be like, it's totally like a, a, a bacon wake kind of movie. Like just whatever have a couple drinks or get high and fucking sit there and zone out in front of this 90 minute idiotic, probably nonsensical plot movie. But I do love the, I do love the rock. So I will probably end up seeing it eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, how do you want to, how do we want to do this? Do we want to get into the, uh, all the weird shit and then uh, loop back around to some fun stuff? Uh, yeah. How about we talk about um, the, the Brett Ratner news first, since it ties into justice league and wonder woman. Well, there's a lot of different little like, points that have come up this week you brought up george takei had been uh accused of harassment um so like the cleanse the cleanse continues as it were um george takei was accused this week much to his own shock and chagrin from what i can uh glean off the internet his response to that was not great it was well not that you there's like a great response to this like and let let the purge continue in my opinion but like they're actually to be fair um al franken was accused this week too and his response was very sober like like he was he handled it as well as you could like handle that kind of thing and his his accuser uh accepted his apology which is yeah but at the yeah that's that would be an example of uh the right way to apologize and try to make amends. Whereas George Takei, um, he started getting into like the Russian bots jumping in and like amplifying the story. And I'm like, that's not the point. Like you, like um, he, the, the guy released the statement and then George Takei denied it. And then the Howard Stern interview popped back up to, and the way that he talks about groping guys and like, uh, being kind of a predator was like, oh man, like. So yeah, so um, yeah, George Takei got hit this week. We can talk about Brett Radner, who got kicked out of Wonder Woman 2's financing situation uh, because Gal Gadot outright like called him out and was like, "I'm not doing Wonder Woman 2 if he's still involved in the movie." And Warner was like, "I'm not. We're not taking our sole cash cow um, yeah. for granted. He, you're fucking out of here." And yeah, Good I'm, I'm really proud of Gal Gadot and so happy that that happened because it's like now that this big purge is happening, women are standing up for each other and saying like, you are a piece of shit. Um, I'm going to use what leverage I have to uh, make Hollywood right for women. Because what yeah. what it, the Brent Ratner story that uh, the Ellen Page one that I read was Ellen Page's account. Yeah. yeah. Where, where he outed her and, and then people were going after Anna Paquin because she's like, they were like, why didn't you speak out? And Anna Paquin has been in that industry since she was a child. And, yeah. uh, she, she was basically like, fuck you. First of all, it wasn't my story to tell. It was Ellen's. And number two, yeah. I've been in this victim grooming industry since I was like 10 years old. So yeah. why didn't I speak out? There you go. So it's just like, just keep pulling out these like fucking toxic monsters. And well, I, I'd heard a story about Brett Ratner like ages ago from Olivia Munn. I think it was Mm. like that story came out like 
years ago and nothing happened yeah. and she got more or less blacklisted because of it and now like that story's kind of coming back around because mm-hmm. of like what's been going on yeah so i'm like i don't like overly care for olivia munn one way or the other but like i was like that's really shitty that she kind of got like shafted because she told the story about him being a fucking the wrong and told yeah. it at the wrong time told it at the wrong time and like yeah. now she can come back around and like that's fine i mean she still got to be psylocke which is pretty cool but like I, it, it, yeah. like maybe the shittiest x-men movie ever yeah yeah it was such a waste too like she would have been a good psylocke if they actually like let her have a line yeah because yeah. i don't think she actually had any dialogue in that movie not a lot not I, much yeah. i'd have to i'd have to go back and rewatch it which i adamantly refuse to fucking do well, yeah. going going back to the the al franken one which uh, you touched on while i was having audio issues um oh, that right. one had a weird political tinge to it i mean not only because he's uh senator senator yeah Um, he's also also, he's also technically i think ostensibly the front runner for the 2020 like democratic nomination too like he's the only person i've seen with any kind of support or like named support so far um in that running too but he so the the accuser in that case is um a sometimes i i think it's fox news contributor or something like that or like a sean hannity like radio show contributor or something like that and uh and breitbart and one other like far right uh news outlet had that story before anybody else did yeah so that one feels like like you you have to consider the source not nest you know not victim blaming kind of thing or Mm -hmm. you know not you know to not believe the accuser or whatever, but yeah. consider the actual news outlet that that information is coming yeah. through. And consider yeah. the 17 accusers against Donald Trump and how nothing has come of that. Because Jesus, did you hear Sarah Huckabee Sanders today? Oh, no. She, she did a presser. She did a presser on that. And uh, somebody flat out asked and said, like, you know, if we're launching this ethics inquiry into Al Franken, should we not also launch one into Donald Trump since he's had so many accusations against him? And her answer was that franken had admitted to the uh offenses and therefore it's a different situation than uh, trump who was never admitted to them well there, he's like even though one's on fucking tape yeah well yeah he tweeted about it um in spite of the fact that he hadn't yeah. touched like talked about the roy moore situation at all mm-hmm. which is just like oh i don't like okay i don't want to get into the fucking american politics thing because like that whole thing <laughs> we could be here for the next three hours hour yeah. while i just like rant about like the it like yeah infuriating nonsense that's going on in the states right now but and we and we don't want to cause me to drink to the same levels that i did last week. <laughs> we don't need to well you're not hosting this week tim so we don't need you to like, hold down. uh that's why i'm just drinking a delicious really overly sweet mountain dew so <laughs> well <sighs> Well then, let's just say let the purge continue and like yeah, yes. let it like let these and and going back to the Olivia Munn point, the these uh, women who got uh, blacklisted and told they're difficult to work with because they decided to like speak uh, up for themselves. Yeah, hire them back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give, give them like Hollywood d- like owes them another chance. Yeah. yeah, and the other one we didn't mention as well was uh, Andrew Kreisberg, the showrunner. Well, I was just I was just coming back around to the DC stuff because yeah. Uh, yeah, Andrew Kreisberg, uh, the showrunner for I think he's on Legends of Tomorrow. We were talking about this beforehand, and none of us had a actual. He was yeah, on the I've Flash for a long time. Now. Yeah, he. I mean, he has credits on all of those shows, like yeah. on Flash, on Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. It doesn't say here which one he's working on right now, but I think he might be floating between all of them. The way, um, yeah. Uh, 
what's his name? Greg Berlanti does. Berlanti, like he kind of yeah. flips around all of them right now. So yeah, uh, yeah. So Kreisberg got he's got the did he get the boot? You have an article in front of you now. He's uh, suspended. Uh, this is as of like last Friday. This one hasn't been quite as loud. Uh, but the last uh, thing that I had here was that as of uh, the 10th, he was uh, suspended. I don't know. All the um, I follow all like all those actors on well, most of those actors on Instagram. And there was a lot of posts from everybody f- like specifically Melissa Benoit or what, how do you pronounce that? It's I always say Benoit ben, because it's the French. Canadian I think it's ben, uh, no, it's a uh, ben- Benoist. Benoist. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Melissa Benoist. She was the first one to post it. But I've seen uh Felicity, like Emily Betts Rich- Richards, I think her name is. Emily Bett Rickard. Who's going to be at this con thing that I'm going to tomorrow? Oh, nice. Um, she's posted stuff about this, as has um, Candace K. Phillips, I think is her name. The the actress that plays Iris on The Flash. And oh, obviously, wow. uh, Grant Gustin has posted stuff too. So hopefully that like situation gets resolved in a he's no longer part of it mm-hmm. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's good like fuck off i hope that that's like and also like if berlanti is like i don't want to see involved but like was aware of it and didn't do anything then get him the fuck yeah. out too. yeah like, just I, get rid of all of them yeah this open secret bullshit and where uh, yeah. men are supporting other assaulters like like and keeping it hush hush to protect their creative projects it just yeah. mm. there. There's a. Gr- I saw a great Twitter post about like don't feel sad for the taint that the sexual assault puts on the existing men's the men's existing work. Think about the work that we lost because uh, women were yeah. too afraid to be part of this yeah. system because they were sexually assaulted. And that I yeah, I saw I, that one too. I think that's the biggest takeaway. This would be a really good opportunity for them to like get a woman showrunner on Supergirl. Like why there isn't a female showrunner on that show already. I don't understand. Or like, mm-hmm. like finally get Kevin Smith in there to help write this shit. Cause like he's been contributing greatly to the direction of these shows and has mm-hmm. always been a pretty upstanding dude from everything I can tell. So if he wants to go help showrun those shows, get him the fuck up there too. Cause he loves those characters and loves doing those shows. So mm-hmm. get him involved. He can bring Mark Bernard and he's a fucking awesome writer too. Like they always have good ideas for this shit. Yeah. Send good people up there. We're fucking work in Vancouver and do these shows. Shit. Hire me and Paul. We'll go. Up. <laughs> yeah. I'll write the flash. Like, I had no problem yeah. writing the flash. I would Fun. love to write Supergirl. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. no, I would work on the flash in a heartbeat. Give it, give some women some shots. Yeah, I'm in this, like, like definitely like yeah. that's, it's like this weird thing where they think that women can't write men or women can only write write women in a very particular yeah. way. And like the female comic book writers who are out there, like Gail Simone G. Willow Wilson, prove that wrong on so many occasions. Like I can't yeah. think of someone more twisted than Gail Simone on her Secret Six run. Like just um, yeah, that was amazing. You read you read Warren Ellis though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I mean like but in a mainstream Gail- book. Well, yeah. even then, Warren Ellis has done weird shit on Main Street books. Like, you read Secret Avengers. Yeah, yeah but as far as DC yeah, goes, no. like, DC, yeah. like, doesn't take chances on that on their mainline books a lot. Where, no. But Gail Simone tends to get away with it a lot. And her Secret Six run was fantastic, so. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 No, I was, I was actually a DC book that I went back and read because of you guys, or at least your recommendation, Paul. Because yeah. I like, uh. Like Birds yeah. of Prey and stuff like that. Like I like Gail Simone's writing too. So yeah, like I like that that cleanse, which leads me to my next one. Um, DC Comics proper has had to fire editor Eddie Braganza over claims of sexual uh, 
harassment. Not just editor, but like a, a group editor. Like yeah. he is, uh, yeah, one of the bigger, higher tier editors for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was he? He was group editor on. Oh, shit. Uh, I want to say the Superman books. Yeah, I think um, he was Superman. Yeah. Yeah. The comic book industry is uh, yeah, pretty toxic industry. in it's general. Yeah. And like I've heard that uh, like a lot of stories like i follow a uh, an artist on a comic book artist uh her name is spike and she does she did a web comic oh, called yeah. templar arizona she's great yeah. um but she's spoken out like frank cho has like sexually harassed her when she went big to fucking surprise look at that dude's art he, yeah yeah he's a piece <laughs> of shit um so like that that industry is probably due for uh, a reevaluation in general yeah. Like a fucking raise it to the ground and start start anew because <laughs> goddamn you kid from orbit the only way to be safe yeah that would be yeah pretty much that would be fine with me because it means I might be able to actually break in like do something <laughs> yeah nice but like you you see the the Twitter trolls going after female comic book creators editors and stuff like that whenever they even hint at feminism in comic books and yeah. it's just yeah. like. The, the fan base, the creators, it's just I should rotten. see um, my the, the girl I talked about last week who wrote uh, Fathom. 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 I, was, I, was, I was thinking Aspen, but Aspen's the label. Um, Fathom. Blake has posted a, a number of things about this. I'd like to get her. I wonder if I could do an interview with her and like get it on the podcast. That'd be yeah, kind of interesting to kind of talk about like her breaking in and stuff like that. Because I know she's had some. She's never like publicly talked about it, but like on her Patreon and stuff, there's been stuff that she's posted that I'm like, Oh, it'd be interesting to talk about. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I was actually thinking about that while I was listening to this week's episode and being like, why didn't I suggest? Well, it was probably cause I was halfway hammered. Well, you were fine. Uh, why, did, why so. didn't, why didn't I suggest that we, you know, have this girl on, but uh, no, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I, I just, I was talking to her this week. Cause like I sent her the link to this, like last week's episode so she could listen to like what we talked about, about her book and stuff like that. So uh, I'll message her and see if she wants to come on the show or like, yeah. Like we could, yeah, I don't know how we would set that up if she has a mic and stuff like that, but um, we that would be awesome because she's like super fucking entertaining to talk to and stuff. So cool, nice, yeah. So that kind of in in happier news on the other side of the block, Marvel has chosen a new editor in chief, Axel Alonso, who has been the editor in chief since two thousand and six, I believe. No, maybe it's a little bit later. Than that. He's been he's been there for about seven years now. Um, has stepped down and has been replaced by CB Sabolsky, who is was kind of notoriously he's an editor but he's notoriously their kind of chief talent scout and has been in actually in china the last couple of years doing talent recruitment over like in asia uh has been living over there he was at seoul comic-con i saw him there yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, he's been he's been living over there doing like outreach for marvel and stuff mm-hmm. so i i'm all for this like i like i got along with both guys i met both of them a number of times as i tried like f- fucking continuously failed to break into the comic book industry and like Axel was a really nice guy, but like CB Sabalski is like so creator minded and stuff like that. Like that was his like whole business almost his entire time with Marvel. That this is like awesome news for creators at like Marvel going forward. Like I think he'd ha- he'll have a really good ear for listening to what creators want to do on the books mm-hmm. and letting them kind of go with that as opposed to kind of Axel had, I think Axel's reign will kind of be remembered probably not so fondly for the insane amount of like like constant event stuff that marvel's been doing the last like 10 years or so 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping a new regime like with uh, CB in charge will be a little bit more creator friendly. And it also means like he'll probably be much cooler about bringing big name talent in or like talent that has kind of stepped away from Marvel in the last couple of years because of like some of the controversies about like big events that are just taking over books and shit like that. Like hopefully it'll yeah. be, it'll mean they can get some guys back in and get some new guys into like, cause that's one of his big things is always like bringing new talent in and like fostering new talent and stuff. So this is pretty exciting news for yeah everybody at this point. Cause I remember awesome. when we were, I think it was at fan expo in Toronto when, uh, yeah. Uh, Axel was talking about uh, how the the reboot, like the the idea that like number one sell more copies, so we're going to keep yeah. rebooting as like as a yeah. a marketing gimmick and things like that. And yeah. I, I remember that leaving such a bad taste in my mouth because like as yeah. as someone who likes to have the like a full run and having short runs is fine whatever like i i i saw his point but at the same time yeah. it, was just, it felt so like uh marketing minded yeah. yeah as opposed yeah. to uh like story minded story minded yeah so yay cb he's a, he seems like a good guy he is he's a very, they they were both really nice like to me while i was kind of like doing that like doing getting reviews and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i've had much more close dealings with CB than I had ever had with uh, Alonso. And mm-hmm. he was always like very supportive and like awesome with everybody that I would like, cause you're not just there by yourself, right? Like there'd be like just lines of people getting reviewed. And he was always like really cool about like, even if you sucked kind of like pointing you in the right direction and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really happy with this news. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be good. And I think Marvel kind of needed that top level shakeup. Cause I like, I've even fallen away from reading anything on a, regular basis anymore unless it gets really highly recommended to me after the fact because like i just have event like they gave me event burnout which is like i guess a real thing because i totally have it with marvel yeah event fatigue is totally a real thing yeah so yeah so that's like that's kind of like the happiest thing i was now i want to let tim rant because um (laughs) amazon has got the rights to do a lord of the rings tv show "Quote unquote Lord of the Rings TV show, yes. yeah. So um, we, I mean, we did discuss this a little bit on last week's episode, but then very shortly after, like nobody was really thinking, you know, when when you hear these things like so and so is in talks with whoever to do such and such a story, you think, okay, six months from now we'll hear if this actually is mm-hmm. going anywhere. But like a few days later, literally, uh, they they came out and said, yeah, Amazon has reached a deal." with the Tolkien estate for a multi-season quote unquote Lord of the Rings series. Um, but apparently the content for it is going to be what have been described as previously unexplored stories, but it's, there's a lot been talk about them doing stuff like sort of in between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, or so maybe like stuff from the appendices. It didn't sound initially like uh, maybe the Silmarillion was probably not going to be on the table. Yeah. So, I mean, in our household, obviously this has been very exciting news and has been <laughs> much discussed. There's been a lot of people online that are sort of clutching pearls at it and shit like that. being like, I don't know. This seems like a bad idea. And there was a story on it today uh, on IO9 about who was, it? is it Christopher Tolkien? Was it uh, Tolkien's yes. son has stepped yeah. down as the, yeah. <laughs> Like kind of yeah, so of his estate. So, so Christopher Tolkien, who is uh, Jared Tolkien's, I think, oldest son, um, is the basically the one that uh, was sort of the head of the estate. 
Yeah. Uh, he was the director of the Tolkien estate and he was the one for a very, very, very long time that basically said they weren't going to sell any more rights to any of the other stories and stuff like that. Um, because he, he in particular wasn't particularly happy about, uh, the Peter Jackson adaptations and that sort of thing, or the, the backsheet ones for that matter. Um, any of the adaptations that have been made. Uh, and so, but he, I mean, he's like in his, I think mid to late eighties or something like yeah. that now. So it was, everybody knew three now. Oh yeah. 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 So everybody knew for a while that he was eventually going to not be in the picture anymore. You know, as morbid as that is. Yeah. But nobody knew, nobody thought, you know, necessarily that he was going to step down before he just flat out died. Cacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so he stepped down now, which means in theory that, uh, I mean, I don't know if they would necessarily do it right away just out of respect for Christopher and how long he'd been against, uh, selling the rights to the Silmarillion and stuff like that. But it's, it's out there now. It's possible that they could start shopping around or, or, or reach an agreement with somebody to make content for the Silmarillion or some of the other stories in Middle Earth that are not currently held by like a rights company kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. I mean, they're, they're obviously like the, the, the stories going around about the Amazon show was like, they're dumping like millions and billions of dollars into this thing just to like mm-hmm. make it so that it, it holds up production value wise with like anything else that would come up against it kind yeah. of thing. So mm-hmm. like it's, it's exciting news. I mean, I don't have a, like I don't have a horse in this race. Cause like I'm, like a fair weather, I guess, Lord of the Rings, like Tolkien <laughs> fan. Like I've read the books and like, I've seen the movies, but like that's as far as it goes kind of thing. I don't live and breathe that token verse stuff. Like I'm not and- opposed to the, the idea of uh, the stories kind of between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, like as Was there Sora- anything that actually happens though, canonically. Well, there it's the rise of power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sauron rises to power in, in that time. And so like a lot of small, things kind of start to fester. You could probably talk a, a lot about Gondor and how that s- slowly starts to go yeah, to shit. And like young, young Aragorn and stuff like that. You could have definitely a lot of stories in, the, in there as well. And this just, this, this feels to me, and this is like me, maybe me reaching a little bit, but this feels to me like a lot of people who wanted, like when discovery was being talked about, they wanted it to not be what it ended up being. And they really wanted that Excelsior show or like the show mm-hmm. that kind of filled in the gaps between the enterprise a being decommissioned and Kirk retiring or die disappearing for all intents and purposes. Um, yeah. And then like TNG kind of thing, like that, that 80 year gap between those two, like telling that story. But I'm like, is there a lot there to tell? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like as yeah. a star Trek fan, I was like, no, that's like, just let that one go. But like, I guess for this, there yeah. maybe there is stuff to tell. I don't know. Yeah. So kind of the sort of most specific thing that we've heard so far is somebody from the Tolkien estate saying the series would bring to life a number of, previously unexplored stories based on J.R.R. Tolkien's original writing. So it does sound like it's going to be at least based in lore and in canon. Okay. Whether it's, you know, how much extrapolation they do from that, it obviously remains to be seen. But like I said, the fact that, that the Tolkien Trust is, or, and the Tolkien Estate is sort of uh, on board with this gives me reason to be optimistic. Cool. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like I saw, I saw the posts coming up and I was like, oh, everybody's going to be really excited about this. I have, like... I'm excited just based on more content to watch that I may or may not watch kind of thing, but <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like that they're opening up the, like, I guess like at that point, it kind of means like if the rights are going to open up, then like it could just be a bidding war at that point for that universe. Like you never know what could happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there is a huge uh, number of stories like, uh, you know, there is all the Silmarillion stuff. There's also like 
14 volumes or something like that of the history of Middle Earth. And there's like the Baron Luthien story. There's uh, other sort of like minor Middle Earth works. There's plenty more stuff that they could do. Some of it is going to be more difficult to adapt than others. And But I think a TV show is probably the way to do it. Whether Whether this... I'll be interested to see whether this ends up being sort of like an ongoing series following the same group of characters throughout or whether it ends up being sort of more of an anthology series where it's like, here's one story that's going to be three episodes because that's really all we need to tell it. And then we're going to jump to this other set of characters kind of thing. Um, You know, it's going to be kind of a Tales of Middle Earth kind of idea. Well, you could like in theory, with the exception of like human characters, you could follow one character through a very long period of time there because like the elves and hobbits and do the dwarves live long longer uh yeah yeah and even even like the men with numenorian blood uh have uh, exceeding have like live lifespans of like uh you know 150 or something like that like uh aragorn is 80 in lord of the rings fuck off is he really yeah i feel like i knew that but it's every time i hear it i'm like that's really fucked up why okay (laughs) yeah because he's got he's got blood of sort of ancient men uh in him that uh caused him to have yeah exactly the the uh elder kings or whatever that uh caused him to have um much longer life than your average middle earth man fair enough cool that's awesome yeah it's exciting there's people that are not excited about it but i am the internet man like yeah. People, people are going to be bitching about. I mean, I just bitched about Justice League for like forty-five minutes here and there too. So whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we've been talking about the news for like forty-five minutes. So let's let's move let's move this fucking ship along. It's time for Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Awesome. Um, I'm so excited that Paul gets right involved with this thing that makes me <laughs> so Cause proud. you don't have to. Yeah. It means I don't have to do shit. <laughs> Cause I just refuse. I just, I'll just be like, yes, geek of the week time. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So, uh, let's, uh, let's hear what's your geeky thing you did, Paul. I want to hear from you. Okay. Well, th- yesterday was the release of Pokemon ultra sun and ultra moon for the oh, 3DS. <laughs> And so the hype was real for me all week. So I was going through a tough time at work this week because of that open class I mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, so I had been looking forward to this all week. So uh, last night was my first opportunity. I had preloaded it on my 3DS. Like I pre, I bought it and preloaded it. So all I had to do was turn it on. It was ready to go. And uh, it's uh, basically... It's considered a sequel to Sun and Moon, but it's actually just like a, an enhanced version. They've they've done this before with the Pokemon franchise where they release like red and blue and then there's the same game but enhanced with the yellow yeah. version and stuff. So uh, this is the enhanced version. And so right now I, I lost all of my save data from all of my previous Pokemon games because uh, my SD card failed. So I oh. now I have to rebuild my Pokédex completely and I'm l- using this as an opportunity to like really take my Pokémon stats seriously and stuff. So there's a lot of ra- r- random number generation in Pokémon and you have to like if you want good stats, you have to either catch a lot of Pokémon or soft reset your game when the Pokémon is given to you as a gift and make sure that it has the right stats and stuff. So I've been doing that with yeah, my Yeah, pretty geeky. Yeah, I've been doing that with my uh, my gift Pokemon so I can build a proper team that I can use to battle online. So, uh, yeah, that's my Geek of the Week. Pokemon Ultra Moon right now. Nice. Nice. 
Uh, Tim, how about you? Uh, I had a few things this week. Let's see. I already talked about our the Justice League screening. That was one of the geekier things. We also got a new uh, Gigantor TV uh, ahead of our Tolkien Marathon, which is happening just uh, next week after American Thanksgiving. And so I've been playing a little more of Breath of the Wild on that, but not a lot more because of the other stuff I've been doing this week. But uh, my other one is sort of related to that. My actual geek of the week is that uh, I play, or we went to uh, the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddess, uh, which is, yeah, for the, this is the third time we've done it, and the fourth time it's been through Atlanta, so we've gone three of the four times, but uh, it's basically for any of our listeners not familiar with it, they just have a symphony that plays a bunch of the music from the various Zelda games, where they ha- when they have like a big screen, they're projecting gameplay videos and stuff like that on while... Uh, you're watching it so they do it basically like there's a suite based on like wind waker there's a suite based on uh like uh link the past breath of the wild Wild, ocarina of time majora's mask a bunch of you know maybe uh, maybe a dozen of the games or something like that get their own little uh little suites kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and like a full uh, full symphony like two harps because you need two harps to do zelda music justice and Mm -hmm. uh, like a choir and stuff like that as well but uh yeah, it was really good. Uh, Alicia uh, dressed up in her Kotera costume that she uh, made for Dragon Con and got some a lot of people asking her for pictures and stuff like that. And we also found a Link from Breath of the Wild and Pira, the the little uh, like scientist woman who has de-aged herself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and helps you fix your Sheikah Slate. Yep. Um, there was a, a really good cosplay of that as well. And we That's got awesome. uh, some uh, pictures cool. between uh, them as well, so... Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, and there's still a bunch of dates left. So if uh, you're interested, definitely go see it. I'm not sure if they're going to be doing it much longer. It sounds like this might be the last uh, go around that they have with it. But they've been doing it for like four years. And every time we go, it's pretty well attended. So nice. I did something similar to that when I was still living in Toronto. Uh, I went to see Worlds Apart, the Final Fantasy Orchestra show. Mm. Uh, they are a lot of fun. And it's like, a, it's a room full of like, fanboys and fangirls you know you're all in it for yeah. like this one video game series so it's really fun to like i remember that was when i had just first bought my 3ds and i got a whole shit ton of street passes from it like anyone else who had their wi-fi activated like pings yeah. your 3ds yeah, i brought and, my 3ds yeah. too <laughs> yeah. to this <laughs> so it's good it's good times and it's just like, it's a good the, atmosphere. It's a lot of fun. Like you get you get to sort of relive all these moments from games you might not have played for years. Yeah. And uh and like, you know, it's not like really formal like a symphony would be like, you know, people will be laughing during the segments, like if, you know, Link pushes a block the wrong way or something like that. Like, oh, I remember doing that. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> shit like that. They had a sing-along during uh, the Final Fantasy one for One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy VII. Everyone was screaming, Sephiroth, the whole time. It was great. <laughs> Just a lot of fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep, so that was my Geek of the Week. It was the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddess for the third time. Cool. Nice. Um, my Geek of the Week was kind of musical. Not that kind of musical, though. I went and saw <laughs> uh, Perfect Circle on Wednesday night uh, at the Air Canada Center. Yeah, it was it was a really good show. Uh, I had this the same kind of thing that happened when I went and saw Guns N' Roses. My sister and her boyfriend decided they wanted to to go to that, so I was like, "Fine, you take my tickets, buy me a good one closer than that, and we'll call it we'll call it square." 
Well, closer this time actually meant I was in the front fucking row for this Perfect Circle <laughs> show, which was really fun. The only problem being that like they were like super strict about photography and stuff, so I couldn't take advantage of the fact that I was like directly in front of the band for like yeah. I, and it's like I've never been I've been front row because of like a general admission show where I've kind of pushed my way to the front or been there early enough to get up there. But like getting seats to the front row is kind of like a not a very common experience because like it's either they're super expensive or they just go super fast kind of thing. So it's hard to kind of mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. So it was a it was a really weird experience like being in the Air Canada Center, being directly in front of the band, and then looking back and just being like, oh yeah, there's like an ocean, a of lot of people. other people, yeah. like staring at the back of my goddamn head. My sister and her husband were back there somewhere yeah. in that uh, in yeah, that sea that crowd as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did they tell you where they were sitting? Uh, no, my sister. My sister was not really into Perfect Circle. It's her husband that yeah. uh, was, and uh, so she was, you know, just going there to kind of tag along. And I don't really understand why, because why spend the extra money on a ticket or whatever? But whatever. But my sister did say that she ended up like falling asleep a couple times during it because it's <laughs> really not her thing. And I mean, yeah. like APC is like pretty technical from what I know of them, right? So like I could see maybe you know if you're not that into it they're not like they're not like tool levels of like weird like math rocky kind of stuff yeah Yeah. but they are uh and like my my kind of main criticism of the set was like down the middle of it it got a little like i was enjoying it because i just like watching them play but they did slow it down quite a bit down the middle of the set so i could see if you're not like a diehard maynard slash perfect circle fan it being a little bit kind of like a slog like if you weren't super familiar with their stuff and like Mm -hmm. I could see that being uh, being an issue. Like I, had, Paul and I had a, a nice like hour long conversation where like I really enjoyed the show, but I had like complaints about like they have this thing about they all they start doing remix versions of really popular songs as opposed to like the original versions, and it's just like mm-hmm. a terrible idea. It's a yeah. terrible <laughs> idea to do that. Like it's gonna disappoint everyone. Yeah. So yeah. Like that the yeah. big that big hit like uh, three Libras that they they did on Medina in two thousand like that you, even you would know that like that one song they do a remix version of it which is just like why the fuck would you do that and then <laughs> this is not what everybody paid to yeah, see like, nobody wants to hear you do this and then like I understand why bands do that because they're like you know we're keep it interesting doing yeah. the song the same way yeah. kind of thing but you know when it's like your one big hit in particular. Or your yeah. biggest hit. Or it's whatever. one of their, it's one of their, well, that's the thing, like, they're, it's arguably their biggest hit, because their first, like, the ba- first big single, Judith, they don't even play anymore, because I don't think Maynard, Maynard can handle the screaming, and then, like, they don't do Three Libras properly, and then Pet, they played the remix version of that also, which was, like, an infuriating thing to me, because that's one of my favorite songs, so I was like, they started doing the remix version, and I was like, god damn it, like, <laughs> uh, like it's all really good and everybody sounds awesome. So like it was a really good show and totally worth it. But it was just like, oh Maynard, like you like <laughs> you're so good, but like you've let me down now twice. Cause like when I saw them do with Tool in the spring, they didn't play lateral the song Lateralis. And I was like, the fuck, man? Like, I know you've got tons of songs you can play and blah blah blah. And that song's probably difficult to sing because you are now in your fifties and not like able to scream the way you used to but it's like just play busy it down and wine yeah, yeah too busy making wine it's like play it down an octave but like i'm i'm griping more than i really should be it was a really good show and it was a lot of yeah. fun and just being that fucking close to like like being right in front of a band like that is just it's kind of a, a weird experience like if you've never done it before it's kind of hard to describe like it's yeah yeah it was a lot of it was really cool to be that up close to everybody 
and nowadays, when I actually get a chance to go to concerts, I try to have um, no expectations about set list anymore, especially for an artist that's well established. Because like, if I go in hoping for a song, I know I'll probably well, yeah. get disappointed. And yeah. so, but that being said, if they play a song but they play a shitty version of it, like that's yeah. just that's so much worse than not playing it at all. Yeah. Um, like when I when you, I went to you see come out with a, a sour taste in your mouth instead of no taste in your mouth. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> I went to see yeah. Saint Vincent uh, here in Seoul, and she she was on her fourth album at that point. And I just kind of said, you know what? If I want, if I expect her to play this, this, and this, then it's I'm not going to enjoy the experience. And then I went in, and it, she like rocked the house down. And I just she's she's it. an amazing performer. Yeah, she's I really good. like her her new songs. Yeah, yeah. You, me too. She's good live too. I saw her last time she came around Toronto. It was really good. Yeah, I think I think at a certain point, like hoping for your particular favorite song to get played with some like some bands. It's like I mean, St. Vincent's only four albums in, so there's probably a better chance than that. But like, I can't go mm-hmm. to a Pearl Jam show and expect them to play like my favorite song off of Yield because not fucking likely. Although actually, probably more likely than with other bands, kind of thing because it is Pearl Jam. Yeah. And they do weird stuff. But like, I'm not going to go to like a Queens of the Stone Age show and expect them to play like some like some obscure kind of like side two song off of their from the, Caius. Well, not even Caius, like from their <laughs> debut, like from the, the self-titled yeah. album, they don't play anything from anymore, even though that's mm-hmm. arguably their best record kind of thing. But like, you, mm-hmm. like if you expect that it's like, you're just going to be bummed out. Whereas if you're like at the show and it fucking happens, you're like, this is fucking awesome. And it was a surprise. So <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, like the perfect circle thing, like them doing like three Libras that way. And then like playing, like counting bodies like sheep instead of like the proper playing pet i was like Ugh, all right that's fine yeah. but uh yeah it was pretty good but it was just like it was just cool to just to be up front and i did sneak a couple pictures kind of at the end because i'm a jerk and like i they were it, the only thing they can do is kick you out and i was like the show's fucking over i'm leaving anyway, so <laughs> fuck you yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a good show all right which tangentially leads us into the meat of the episode meat of the episode single use meat <laughs> one hopes that all meat is single use but how far into the entendre you go yeah if you want to get into that like euphemism for meat then uh i mean i guess maybe i guess isn't that single what, single serving meat i guess isn't that what grinder is at this point like you're just looking for single serving meat <laughs> or tender <laughs> or tender that doesn't work that way. Doesn't have. <laughs> so we uh, we are going to be talking about uh, one hit wonders this week, and potentially, probably more accurately, one hit wonders that we feel maybe shouldn't technically be one hit wonders that are better bands than they are kind of remembered for being. So, yeah. um, I had the guys kind of pull their best bands that are were popular for one song that they still like, regardless of that. So we're gonna get we're gonna get right into this because these music episodes always go fucking long. So uh, I, I asked the guys to have like two or three ready, so we'll see how far we get into it. But let's start with uh, let's start with Tim this time, just for uh, for shits and giggles to change things up. <laughs> All right, uh, my first one. Uh, this is gonna be uh, like mid nineties. I'm gonna go with uh, Space Hog. Oh, good fucking pull, yeah. Because, I mean, Space Hog never, I mean, the only song that anybody really knows from them is In the Meantime. In the meantime uh, yeah. Which is yeah. an amazing song. It is. Like, that That song is probably in, like, one of my top 20 favorite songs of all time. Yeah. It might be really close. Might even be just inside that, like, top 10. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal tune. Yeah. It, in large part because it has an amazing bass line. And I'm a bass player. Yeah. 
but no, like I I went out and got that that album, Resident yep. Alien, that that song was on, and that album was fucking solid front to back. It is going to show up on my top albums at some point, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt, probably will as well. Speaking of, <laughs> well, that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to be bringing up no doubt shortly too, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that resident album uh, album was uh, Re- resident alien. Resident album. alien <laughs> was uh, was really. I, had I, swear I haven't had that much to drink tonight. <laughs> Actually, speaking of which, before we get too far into it, uh, my right. drink tonight, <laughs> my uh, drink tonight um, is sort of based on a one hit wonder. I, I basically went to my bar and looked around and I was like, what do I have in here that I really ever only use for one drink? And it ended up being a uh, slow gin, which is a certain kind of like flavored gin that I only ever use for uh, slow gin fizzes, which are one of my favorite drinks. So that's what I've made tonight. Uh, slow gin fizz is uh, slow gin, regular gin, uh, lemon juice, simple syrup, an egg white, which is optional, but I love fizz drinks that have egg whites in them because it makes it nice and fluffy. I wish you that my webcam was working right now because I've got like about an inch of like nice foamy cloud on the top of this drink right now and then a little bit of soda water so it's easily one of my favorite drinks super refreshing super light super tasty not too sweet not too sour sounds yeah. so good anyway. <laughs> yeah. it's it's only 11 a.m here but it sounds like something I want right now so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so that that resident alien space hog album was fucking phenomenal it had uh, some really good like Brit poppy feel kind of thing, even yep. though they are an American like New York band. But there's so much like Bowie influence in there for yeah, sure. It's very, it's very it's a very glam album. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of glam, glam feel too. So like yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I love that fucking record too. I I I I was like you. I heard that song and like rushed out to buy that album eventually. Like mm-hmm. when I could afford it in 1990. I want to say four. <laughs> 96 was it 96 is that like oh maybe i just run out and grab it then but yeah no i loved that and like in the meantime such a good fucking song that like yeah yeah for sure yeah but the i mean that's like a really good like uh sort of uh pop uh glam rock kind of song but there's also some really nice uh mid mid tempo and down tempo songs on that album as well mark didn't like ask us to do recommendations but uh the song recommendations but uh the song star side on that album is really really beautiful and has some really awesome guitar work on it as well did they have any albums after resident alien yeah they've done three other albums they had one in like 98 which was called the chinese album they had one in 2001 they had a 2001 album and then they had one that came out in like 2013 which i didn't know about until i was researching this episode for this episode but i haven't actually uh heard yet but i mean these guys are like pushing 50 now yeah so a couple of them are over 50 now but um yeah they had chinese album which came out in 1998 um the Hogacy came out in 2001 and then they had this album called as it is on earth that came out in 2013 because uh, they sort of disbanded for a while and uh, sort of went off to do different projects. But yeah, I have some stuff from the Chinese album in the Hogacy too. That's also pretty solid, uh, but they never really got that same sort of, they never really hit what they hit with resident alien again. But it did have one other like single. I think they got released off the album, which was cruel to be kind. I remember that. Yeah. It's another really solid song. Yeah, this is one of my favorite like albums of the 90s uh, overall, for sure. And one of my big regrets is I never went to see the uh, Brotherly Love Tour, which was because um, t- the two lead guys, the two head guys from Space Hog are brothers named uh, Royston and Anthony Langdon. And so they did this tour with in 2001 with the Black Crows and Oasis. Oh, interesting. Two, two other bands that feature a pair of brothers. 
I was into all of those bands in the late nineties. So I really would have liked to have gone and saw, seen that show, but for whatever reason I missed it. But, uh, yeah. So, so that would be my first one is, is space hog. Uh, if you really, if you love in the meantime, you will love resident alien. That whole album is really solid. And, uh, we were picking, doing album recommendations, right? Cause that's yeah. easily mine. Yeah. Uh, is, is that whole resident alien album is really, really solid. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I I love that. Uh, in the meantime, it's one of those songs that like when it pops up like on a playlist or something like that randomly, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to play. I think it's on one of the Guitar Hero Rock Band. I think it's on Rock Band, actually. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I know. I've been in, I, I think I've been in at least two bands that covered that song in particular just for like <laughs> for fun because. Yeah, we did. The band I played in high school, we did. Cause I want, I really want to play it. On I was going to say, it's always the bass player. Who's like, I really want to do this song. It's like, yeah. yeah, we know. Cause it's like you right up front. We get it. It's <laughs> the only time you'll be right up front. Unless we do a chili peppers fucking cover or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's not fucking well, happening with me around. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, I had to do higher ground and that fucking slap bass oh. on higher ground was always rough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always hated doing chili peppers covers. Cause like there's like as a drummer, they're really fucking boring. So yeah. I guess they're pretty boring for everybody except for the bass player too. So I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, unless it's for yeah, era, unless, like, um, yeah, or well, unless you're doing the vocals and you like ham it up, like uh, oh, Kitas, yeah, Kitas does, yeah, yeah. I don't I've never. Chili Peppers is one of those bands that they're like smashing pumps because they're just one of those bands that, like I just can't fucking tolerate at all. So oh, I love Chili Peppers. Yeah, no, I never liked the Chili. Pe- I like their early, I, early Chili Peppers. Early Chili Peppers, I I like, but like uh, they've done so much damage to themselves, kind of with like. Mm. From yeah. like Californication forward, I'm just like, no, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. You, you suck now. You <laughs> suck now. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Paul, let's give us your first recommendation. My first recommendation is the, uh, I guess, reigning folk rock queen of Canada, Leslie Feist. <laughs> I saw her pop, like her name popped up a lot. And I was like, really? One hit wonder Feist? Like those albums mm-hmm. were all over the place. And then I was like, wait, I know why. In Canada. Yeah, because in first Canada. of all, I'm in Canada. And second of all, Paul fucking loves Feist. So that's why I have <laughs> yeah. all this exposure to her. So. Yeah. yeah. So Feist is best known for her single from the iPod Nano commercial, <laughs> one, yeah. two, three, four. <laughs> and it's a catchy ass tune. But and this was around the time when, you know, the Starbucks album was a thing. Like, and yeah, yeah. that song got a lot of play. And it's a really fun song, but uh, Feist has been around in Canada for a really long time. Um, she Her first album was released in 1999, and it was called Monarch, and it was more punk-influenced, I guess. It's kind of it was kind of a post rock thing. Like it fit really well, <laughs> nicely into that like arts and crafts kind of Constantine's kind of scene. Yeah, it was yeah. 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 But the, the album that launched her in Canada was Let It Die and the song Mushaboom in particular. So like yeah. as a Canadian artist, she's not quite a, a one hit wonder, but in the States and like broadly, yeah. she there's a great there's a there's a great comment on the one, two, three, four video that someone said, like, you, uh, Americans bitch about Celine Dion and Justin Bieber, but we gave them feist and they gave her back. So, well, it, yeah, and like that, that comment's pretty common because, like, when I was doing research for this topic too, like, Our Lady Peace came up a couple times, and I'm like, really? One hit wonder, Our Lady Peace? No, but it's just, I mean, again, maybe, maybe, Canada, yeah, maybe Canada, outside Canada. of Canada. And then I actually yeah. saw that I saw the hip on a couple lists, and I'm like, what the fuck yeah. with the Americans? <laughs> like, that's exactly the same thing, though, right? Like, we tried to give you 
you are good people yeah. and you fucking set them back up here. Like Matthew Good toured down there and you guys said no. So fuck yeah. you, you know? Keep Justin Bieber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I and Feist is one of those artists whose entire body of work is solid. Like um the reminder, which is the album that one, two, three, four is from is probably considered her best and strongest work and that's fair i would i would tend to agree with that really? but i don't think she uh, yeah i i, I, I think prefer that, let it die yeah i like let it die better too let it die is is amazing as well and it's a little bit more folky overall yeah. it's a little more modern yeah. too like it's a little like yeah. what's well, also yeah well, I mean, Let It Die is all over the place because it's got a bunch of like uh, cover tracks on it as well, which oh. are some of my favorite tracks off the album. Yeah. And so The Reminder was the first album of hers where it was like all of her own songwriting. And uh, it's well, she still she still partners with a lot of people on on The Reminder as well. Like I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Uh, Gonzalez, uh, Brendan Canning, Nina Simone, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Sexsmith. Yeah, because she's she is part of the Arts and Crafts Collective, and so yeah. like, uh, and she's been on some of my favorite broken social scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she uh, she does the female vocals on Almost Crimes off yeah. of You Forgotten People, which is my favorite broken social scene song. Yeah, me too. Actually, that's really weird. Usually, you and I never have the same goddamn song off an album. But yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. So I overall, Feist deserves a bigger career than she actually has. And she just released a new album this year called Pleasure, which is so good and was and she co wrote some of the songs with Jarvis Cocker, uh if I'm really? not mistaken. So, yeah. Um so speaking of one hit wonders. It, yeah, common people. That, that would have been yeah. a good choice. Damn yeah, it. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh overall Pulp's Pulp's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pulp is fantastic. Um so she deserved better than the one, two, three, four fame and one, two, three, four isn't even the best song off of the reminder by a long shot. I would say I would give that to the water or I feel it all. Um, yeah. I love, but, I love feel. but overall, all five of her albums are worth a listen. And uh, she's, she, I just hope she keeps on making music and not waiting like five to six years between albums because <laughs> yeah. i want more yeah modern 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 album cycles are like that they're like everybody's like five years between records now unless you're like you're literally touring to eat at that point like if yeah. you're a smaller mm-hmm. artist and like you have to pump something out to like keep yourself fed then whatever but if you especially can, her where she's got other projects that she's part of as yeah. well so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah but uh no i i agree absolutely uh feist is well underappreciated in in the us in particular for sure but yeah some of i mean going back to let it die i fucking love her covers of uh secret heart and inside and out oh yeah oh, i love secret yeah. heart uh, yeah. Oh, yeah the harp uh stuff on on uh secret heart is so nice and inside and out is just such a great fucking like uh, disco-y, uh, like chill, mellow disco kind of song. And it's always nice to hear somebody playing the harp that can actually sing when they're playing it. I'm rising above it. I had to get my cheap Joanna Newsome digging <laughs> doing music with Paul. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, cool. So my first pick, um, and I might get some argument with this one, but my first one that I kind of was like, yeah, I think they deserve to be, they only had one big single and then a lot of albums that people like, but nobody really seems to have listened to was Faith No More. 
Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, if you consider... Because they're, like, considered a pretty seminal band in terms of, like, metal. Yeah. Uh, and, like, and like hair metal in particular, but well, not... Hair metal, hair metal, that's kind of an insult to Faith No More. <laughs> like, I wouldn't <laughs> consider them even remotely, like, a hair metal band. Like, they're... I think they had more influence on, like, alternative metal. Like, the stuff that came out in the 90s was so much more influenced by Faith No More. And, like, they were... Like they only really had that one song. Like it was really only "This Is It" that like um, yeah that got a lot of. Oh, what's playing. the song called? Epic. The song is epic. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, that yeah. had got like a ton of play. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's actually kind of weirdly topical because uh, Chuck Mosley, the original singer from Faith No More, died on the ninth. Like he passed away like about a, like just over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on their first two albums before Mike Patton joined them. This is not a band that I know besides that song. Actually. Exactly. Like, and that's I, why, like, they're a band, and they're so, like, I like them a lot, and I have all their records and stuff like that. And um, that that one album, This Is It, like, the, uh, the, the, the album that Epic is on, gets, like, takes up all the fucking air in the conversation about Faith No More. Like, it's that one song and that one album. But, like, uh, the album's called The Real Things, right? It's not This Is It. Um, that's just the fucking song. But their next one, Angel Dust, is arguably like their best one. Like that's the album that I would recommend. And like they're so like massively influential on like every band that came after that. Like Chris Novoselic has said like there would never have been Nirvana if Faith No More hadn't kind of broken the mold for what a rock slash metal band could be. Well, and also Chili, Chili Peppers too definitely Chili Peppers. draw from Faith No More too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can see this like stuff like uh, Duff McKagan, Chino Moreno, Serge Tankian from System of a Down. Um, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, which whatever you want to say about them, Jonathan Davis from Corn, <laughs> I've all gone on influencing like they're as influential on like each of their individual bands as any other band could have been. Like probably the number one influence on most of those bands. Like you can hear a lot of Faith No More in Deftones and System of a Down and stuff like that. So they had this huge impact five years after they were big or big. They had their hit single kind of thing, and it was one of those like they influenced people after the fact things with them i never got a chance to see them live i heard their fucking live show was spectacular i have seen mike Patton play with a bunch of his other bands because he was also in uh mr bungle and tomahawk both of which i've seen tomahawk in particular was amazing to see live like weird but awesome to see they opened for tool on the lateralis tour and it was really exciting were you gonna say something paul's got I want to say something. No, 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 no. That I'm, I'm just listening because I, I really don't know that much about Faith No More. It's just not like they, they were just, they were pre grunge. Yeah, and uh, and but they weren't in the kind of new wavy uh, uh, sound metal like kind of thing. Uh, or, or yeah, the, but like the when I think of fun alternative '80s bands, I'm oh, thinking okay, yeah. uh, Pixies and B52s and The Cure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, like Faith No More just never really registered with me. So I'm like, oh. they were a weird. They, they were a, a weird outlier, and that's kind of why I think they kind of got, like they were just like I think they were like five years ahead of their time. Like if they had hit, if that 1989 album, like if Epic had come out probably yeah. like 1990 and 1991, it kind of thing, it would have been yeah. a much different story. Like they would have been huge. Like they were still on Lollapalooza and stuff like that. And, like they mm-hmm. did okay, but they never like broke through. But they were just like kind of like the Pixies, where like they just influenced all those bands after the fact, and then had a huge imp- impact, like on the Chili Peppers, kind of going forward, and like 
they yeah. they were all friends with like all the guys from like Pearl Jam and like their buddies with Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age and like they all know each other and stuff like that and just they just never hit big which is a huge just like like it's kind of a letdown because especially those two albums like uh, Angel Dust in particular is just like front to back a spectacularly good record and should have gotten way more play than it should have yeah i'll say that i i don't know a whole lot about faith no more either uh i mean i've probably heard i've definitely heard more than just epic yeah uh but not a lot more my my main uh knowledge of faith no more is jim martin showing up in his cameo in bill and ted's bogus journey yeah yeah, and I was actually gonna—I was just gonna say, I'm like, they have a Bill and Ted connection, man. How do you not know more about them? Like, and I know that's why I know Perfect Crime. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was on the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Just another <laughs> another awesome Faith and More song. Oh, there's tons of like they have like uh, like a bunch of really good stuff, and they they so much like they just put out an album in 2015. Like they kind of got back together and did something not too long ago. But I like really like I think if you're gonna go back and listen to stuff, like I think the real thing, like the one that has Epic on it, and then Angel Dust in particular, is like an amazing amazing album um to go back and listen to if you're it's all on spotify because i was listening to it this week like it's solid shit so awesome yeah all right so we'll loop back around to uh to tim for his second little pick all right i'm gonna take this back i inevitably sort of ended up picking a bunch of mid-90s bands yeah this one uh is another new york band actually um not a surf Oh, they were on they were on my list too, like my longer list. Yeah, yeah. So, not a surf is really, really only ever like got much play for that song "Popular," which came out also in '96, same year as "In the Meantime" did, uh, which is almost like a fucking novelty song, right? Like it's you know it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's kind of like your classic grunge formulaic grunge song kind of thing, uh, but it's got like these spoken word. Uh, versus where dude's just ranting about how shitty it is to be not popular you know, in high school, not yeah, not popular in high school kind of thing. But in their own right, not a surf, maybe not at that point. Like I have the high low, which is the album that popular was on and it's got a couple other good tracks on it, but uh, sort of later on, like uh, getting into like the early two thousands, they really came into their own as like this really awesome indie pop band. Yeah. And put out some really, really awesome albums. Uh, and uh, I saw them uh, with Death Cab for Cutie in like 2003 when they were uh, touring Let Go, which is easily my album pick for them, my album recommendation for for Not A Surf, uh, which is just like this stunningly beautiful indie pop album. It's got a lot of like really nice haunting tracks. Yeah, I mean, they, they sort of... I don't really know. It, it was such, just such a weird transformation, and uh, to go from that to this, like, really, like, sort of Death Cab esque. Even though I'm pretty sure that they were around before Death Cab oh, was. I think they absolutely were. Yeah. Yeah, band kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say. That they also some of their later albums. I haven't heard all their most recent stuff. They had one album that came out like last year that I haven't heard. But their their album past uh, let go. Uh, the weight is a gift is also really nice as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I can go back and like give some some song recommendations. There's a song called uh, Inside of Love on Let Go that's basically like a high school slow dancing kind of song. Yeah, uh, really like sweet slow dance kind of song and there's there's some songs on them that are sort of more or less just like acoustic guitar and uh, singing kind of thing and vocals which i'm normally not into but they do it really well like there's a lot of just a lot of heart and a lot of feels and a lot of emotion in that album cool um so 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, not a surf, uh, and definitely go check out Let Go in particular. Awesome. Yeah, I have to go back. Not a surf. There's like a bunch of bands from that like time period because I was also looking at. Um, oh god damn it! Flagpole Sitta. What's the What's that band called? Harvey, Harvey Danger. Danger. Uh, Harvey Danger. Harvey Danger. I was yeah. thinking about that while we were talking about uh, Space Hog. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the flies. Um, I hate that song now. That got you where I want you. Got you where I want you. I love that song. Wasn't that on the uh, the disturbing Varsity behavior Blues soundtrack? Oh, disturbing behavior. Oh, disturbing behavior. Right. Varsity Blues was uh, was run. Yeah. Uh, and Flagpole was on the faculty, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Te- the teachers are the the aliens. Yeah. John Stewart's uh, acting debut. Was it his debut? I thought Death to Smoochie was his debut. Oh, maybe I don't know. One of his few acting roles. Because he's also in like get, uh, Half Baked or something like that too. Some bullshit. <laughs> his uh, John Stewart's filmography is not the uh, not a glowing uh, representation. Well, and he, he fully embraces oh, yeah. the fact that it's not great. Yeah, he used to make he used to make jokes about it all the time. He's like, well, I was in about Death to Smoochie in yeah. particular. Yeah, yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, when I was on the set of Death to Smoochie, yeah, exactly. We- <laughs> uh, okay, we gotta stop talking about John Stewart because I'm gonna cry in the corner because I still miss him. Terrible. <laughs> awesome. All right, Paul, you want to hear next one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I picked this one just for fun because I knew like you guys would be like, "What the fuck?" But I'm I chose the um, I, pop sensation. Well, not sensation. Mandy Moore. Uh, <laughs> Mandy <sighs> Moore. Yeah. Here's here's why though because so as as a gay man. Um, there's a I, lot of okay, nostalgia just, just about not, not, to, not to interrupt you, but it's always my least favorite thing in the world when you preface something by saying as a gay man, because <laughs> it means okay. he's getting up on his soapbox. <laughs> no, for yeah, well, get ready, get ready. Here it goes. Uh, so there's now he's going to um, talk about Mandy a lot Moore. of yeah, uh, a lot of nostalgia about female pop stars that you're growing up with that it's your guilty pleasure especially when you're in the closet like you like enjoy these songs and but you worry that if you admit it then you're going to be perceived (laughs) as too feminine and there's just like a lot of weirdness going on there but um i've always had a soft spot for the late 90s early 2000s blonde pop stars um the a different soft spot than what we have though i think right so yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Well, you would, I presume you would have a hard spot. A hard spot, spot yeah. I don't know, yeah. Whereas, <laughs> so there was definitely a, like, A-list, B-list, C-list of, like, blonde pop stars in the 90s. Britney and Christina being at the top tier, like, they were actually consistently putting out number one hits. Then you had kind of the B-list, which would have been the your Jessica Simpsons. And then yeah. you have the C-list, which would be Mandy Moore. Yeah, and Ashley Simpsons. A- Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson a little was a little later. bit later, yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but like in that uh, cadre of the the late '90s, like Mandy Moore, she only ever had one top forty hit, and it wasn't even the song that she's now most known for. Um, "I Want to Be with You" was her top forty hit, but she's still now more known for the song "Candy." Um, now I'm defending Mandy Moore more as a person than as a pop star. Um, like she's released albums consistently over the years and she's gone mostly in the folk direction since then, like more pop folk. And her voice is still absolutely beautiful. 
Um, but she's seen more success in movies and TV since then. Um, she was in one of my favorite like teen comedies called Saved, which follows a bunch of misfits oh, at a yeah. Christian school. Yeah. Um, and and she played the alpha bitch in that movie, which was pretty great. Um, and she was she did the voice of Rapunzel in uh, yeah, the Disney movie Tangled. So just looking up now. Yeah, she's I've actually seen and Tangled. Tangled is like kind of the beginning of the new Disney Renaissance when they started switching yeah. everything over to 3D and she was wonderful in it. Like she had a, she maybe not as like funny and weird as Kristen Bell but still very charming. Very and, very few uh, people are as funny and weird as Kristen Bell though. Like <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Dex but, Shepherd. Stole her away from yeah. me, you prick. <laughs> yeah. So Mandy Moore has seen success outside of like her attempts at pop stardom, and she's currently on a show that is a major cry fest. Apparently, that I don't watch called "This Is Us." This is us. Um, oh wait, she, which, is she is that's her on that show? Yeah, that's like a number one, like massive crushing success show. Like that's a huge hit right now. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's- yeah. yeah. Her and uh, the guy who played Jess from Gilmore Girls are playing a married couple on that show. Yeah, I know him from Heroes. I, I they did. Yeah. They oh, oh okay, yeah. that's why they just did a bit on. Uh, last week tonight. Yeah, like yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, was Mandy Moore. yeah that's Mandy Moore. Yeah. I recognize her. I'm like, oh, I remember how like, she's like and the so beautiful. and the guy that but, played uh, Rocky's son. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, <laughs> in Rocky yeah. Balboa. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Mandy, Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, yeah. So Mandy Moore, yeah, started off as like a nobody pop star, where like she barely cracked the top forty with her second album. Um, and her first album didn't even make it there. Her first single got to number 41 on the Billboard charts. Oh, wow. Um, and so th- that's why she's a one-hit wonder. But uh, overall, like, looking back at her career, she's just, like, a really pleasant person. She always comes off really well in interviews. Um, she's, like, movies like Saved um, show that she kind of wanted to break away from the box that people had her in. Although it kind of at the same time reinforced it in a way. Um, and she was also in that horrible uh, Nicholas Sparks movie, A Walk to Remember, where she has cancer or something. Yeah. Because they all have cancer. Because um, it's a Sparks story. It's in this, and they, all, they always Somebody's have cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, I recommend Mandy Moore in terms of her general career because I think that she's, like, just a cool person and her voice is spectacular. And if I had to recommend a song, um, I would recommend, uh, I see the light from the tangled soundtrack because, uh, her voice is you know spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And it, it actually won an Academy award for best song, best original song on, uh, for tangled. So yeah, Mandy Moore. Nice. Better survive her career survived better than any I think any of the other blonde pop stars from that era because Christina Aguilera is now on The Voice. Britney is kind of doing her was doing her Las Vegas. Apparently, she's a painter now. That was the big story the last couple of weeks. Was like Britney Spears is like now she's a painter. Is is that are those her therapy paintings? I guess, I don't know. Yeah, her, her nervous breakdown. Yeah. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah. So Mandy Moore. Cool. All right. Um. My next one is way more obscure than Mandy Moore. Even I know who Mandy Moore is. So, like, um, <laughs> my my next pick is uh, an English band called Talk Talk, which I'm gonna 
Ah, okay. So at least Paul knows somebody knows who they are. Uh, So Mark Hollis is the kind of the the leader of Talk Talk. Um, Never had like a huge hit. They're huge and like not huge, but like mediocrely popular in the UK kind of thing. Um, Started like their first album came out in 1982. So like, like they're barely like a year older than Tim and I kind of thing mm-hmm. in terms of that. Uh, their first, like they had singles that were like hits and kind of ranked relatively high on the UK charts in the early eighties, like today and talk talk, which is like my favorite song. Um, but uh, no doubt scored a huge hit in 2003 with it's my life, which is a cover yeah. of a talk talk song. So they're, but they're this really weird kind of like art, Rocky, I don't even know what to kind of call them, like kind of post rock new wave block of seagulls. Yeah, it's it's very much new wave. Yeah, it's very new wave. But like the the lyricism of Mark Hollis is probably a step above most of the stuff you would find in there. To the point where like even like now he gets kind of called out as an influence by rel- like pretty big name alternative acts. Like the guys from Tears for Fears are big fans of his. Cedric from the Mars Volta considers him a huge influence on him. My boy Matthew Good like to this day still talks about talk talk as the biggest influence on his career. The guys from death cap for cutie are big fans of his. Um, mm, I can see that. Yeah. And then uh, the song uh, life's what you make it um, has been covered by placebo and Weezer and the gathering. So like relatively big, <laughs> like alternative bands and all bands that Tim likes for the most, or at least a couple bands that Tim likes. So, yep. Yep. Absolutely. But they just never had like any kind of like traction anywhere. I don't have a ton to say about them because like I just really like I, I I don't really like the like the music's kind of like it's very eighties kind of synthy, which is not overly my thing. But I've gone back and just to kind of listen to the way Mark Hollis like puts lyrics together and stuff like that, and I can hear his influence on those other bands. Like I, when I listen to Placebo, which is probably another band I could have talked about because they didn't really ever break through. Yeah, they were an amazing, amazing band, like super good live yeah. and like really good, awesome, awesome mm-hmm. band. Like you can hear the, his influence on guys like like Placebo has always really done good live covers. Yeah. Um, I'm r- particularly fond of their cover of "Running Up That Hill" uh, by Kate Bush. Yeah. Like their cover of it is pretty stunning. Uh, so. Brian Molko is the guy's name. Is the lead singer? He's got that really high nasally voice that probably drives a lot yeah. of people nuts. That I always, <laughs> for some reason, kind of liked. But he. But you don't like uh, Billy Corgan's voice? Uh he is more melodic than Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan just sounds like somebody like putting a fucking cat through a cheese grater to me for some reason. (laughs) I just, I don't like Billy Corgan. So, um, also the fact that he's a giant douchebag kind of bothers me quite a bit. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is that, but yeah, uh, if you're, if I would just recommend like going and like grabbing, I think it's my life is probably like their best album overall. Um, they put one out in 1991 called laughing stock. That was really good too, that I liked a lot. And that that's the one that Matthew good kind of talks about a lot. Like that's the one that kind of influenced him to kind of pick up a guitar and go do his, like end up being becoming Matthew good kind of thing. But yeah, they're, they're pretty solid band. And like Mark Hollis has done like a ton of like work outside of talk talk and done like production and worked with other people as kind of a writer and stuff like that. Like he's co-written some stuff with other English, like, artists and stuff that probably didn't chart or have any kind of influence anywhere at at all, but he's managed to make a little career for himself out of it. And it can always lean back on like, I was in talk talk and four people know who I am. And it's always like some fucking really pasty record nerd like me who knows who they are kind of thing. So (laughs) it's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. So go, uh, I would listen to the original. It's my life. I think it's kind of a, everybody knows the no doubt version, which is, 
like it was a giant pop song. It's it's a pretty jarring like going from the original Talk Talk version to the Gwen Stefani like giant club hit kind of thing that that song was. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. So Tim, we'll go back around to you. I will take us into the 21st century. Uh, well, Marginally. again, late 90s, but bridging into the just barely into the 21st century. I couldn't go an episode, a music episode, without talking about a band that sounds a lot like Weezer. <laughs> uh, so, hey, I got uh, I got a Matthew pick, Good drop in. So, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my pick is uh, Phantom Planet. Oh, good fucking pull. Good pull. Mm. So, Phantom Planet basically only ever really got widely known for doing the cover song or the opening song for the OC. Yeah. Uh, which is called California, but they're super Weezer influence, like very much like that power poppy kind of uh, uh, proto emo y kind of uh, music, even though by this point, like emo was its own thing, but it was sort of still in that uh, like blue album Weezer yeah. kind of stage. Yeah, I think proto emo uh, is a good way to put it because emo became like it was influenced by that Weezer stuff. I'm sure we've talked about this a million times because we've talked about Weezer yeah. a million times, but like. <laughs> Weezer influenced that scene, but then it just kind of became its own thing. And Weezer just kind of like became power pop, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is, power it's power pop. Yeah. But it, but it's, a, it's, it's power pop. That's a little more raw than a lot of power pop is. Yeah. Like emotionally raw anyway. Like, yeah. 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 And, and Phantom Planet had that same sort of earnestness that uh, Weezer did. Phantom Planet also being famous for a long time for being, having a, uh, Jason Schwartzman, one of the Coppola kids. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as the drummer, um, I guess he dropped out in like the early, like basically when they sort of stopped putting out decent albums, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, he, he. Uh, so, but they were they were really solid. Like through, um, they basically started in like '94 and uh, were putting out really solid albums until like the early 2000s, uh, and then they started kind of trying to go off more in like the more like strokesy garage rock kind of direction after Jason Schwartzman departed. Yeah. And I wasn't as much a fan of that stuff, but uh, their first like three or so albums are really solid, um, including the album that has California on it, which is called the guest, uh, which came out in 2002. But that whole album front to back has some really just great jangly kind of power poppy songs. Again, just a really really earnest sound um you know not trying to be like overly edgy or anything like that just trying to be sort of like that straightforward straight ahead kind of like almost 50s 60s like poppy feel um there's definitely a lot of like uh you still get some of those like beach boysy harmony kind of vocals and stuff like that or buddy holly kind of feel to it as well yeah yeah uh and uh, a really nice um uh sort of slow uh indie uh indie anthem kind of thing that's actually called anthem that's one of those like the you know everybody in the world needs to hold hands and get along kind of yeah. thing but it's really but 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 because they're just so earnest about it they kind of get away with stuff that other you know a lot of people might just consider kind of schlocky or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. so yeah that's my 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 third and i guess final for this uh, round is uh is phantom planet so if you liked Weezer, you will definitely like. If you like the Blue Album and maybe like the Green Album in particular, yeah. you will definitely like uh, Phantom Planet. Um, and in particular, that album, The Guest. Uh, their their earlier their their uh, preceding album to that, um, Phantom Planet is missing, is also pretty solid. As I well. think Phantom Planet is missing. I own. I've got both of those on CD. Uh, I'm trying to think. And then they also had one after 
Phantom Planet uh, or after the guest uh, just that was just eponymous. It was just called uh, Phantom Planet. That's the one I have. Um, And that's the one where they start. Think if I remember correctly, where they start getting more into that like strokesy garage rock kind of feel. And I I start losing. It's still that that's where they start sort of started becoming like a, you know, just singles out uh, band for me rather than like, you know, the whole albums kind of thing. Okay, cool. Uh, That's awesome. I, I, yeah, I should go listen to that again. I haven't heard that any of their stuff in a long time. It's been like, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really amazing about it technically, but the songs are written really tightly. uh, And, and yeah, just, just fun stuff. Cool. Um, All right. So my, my last one, and I've mentioned this band before on the podcast and I'm sure like at least Paul will probably, like be able to i'll probably almost be able to guess what this band is for me um is semi-sonic <laughs> ah, <yeah>. um like, <laughs> oh close exactly time. right so everybody just immediately goes <laughs> yeah. oh closing time that was fun and then walks away Actually, i think i have another couple of their songs it's entirely possible yeah like uh i that the album that closing time is on uh nope, nope. I don't. all right there you go <laughs> uh, <laughs> the album that closing time is on uh feeling strangely fine is probably like my favorite like if i was going to say like do you have a power pop band that you love like semi-sonic is that band like i love uh F- feeling strangely mm-hmm. fine i think it's probably one of the best albums of the 90s like overall and will appear on my list uh in the next probably a couple rounds because it is one of those albums that like I go back to pretty regularly. Like it's something I can put on and listen to from front to back that I find is just like a solid kind of heartfelt pop album and it pop pop Mm -hmm. in a more traditional, like it's still a band playing it, not like computers with somebody auto tuned over top of it. Like Dan Wilson (laughs) is an incredibly talented songwriter. And actually that's kind of what, happened to semisonic is after they put out an album after this called all about chemistry that did not perform at all well and he kind of went off and ended up winning uh i think he no sorry he they got a grammy nomination for closing time but then he won a grammy for uh song of the year because he has gone off and has started to like kind of ghostwrite songs with people and he ghost wrote or like wrote co-wrote he's like a producer on adele's 21 so like he's done a lot of like big stuff like he's worked with the dixie chicks and adele and like done stuff with a bunch of other bands and stuff like that that kind of helped write and produce other stuff so he's got this a whole other career that i was kind of like tangentially aware of but not directly aware of until i was looking it up to talk about the semi-sonic because i just love that album but like he's worked with like tracy bonham and cheryl crow and like the same natalie merchant yeah i think natalie merchant's in there too and like he's just worked with a ton of people and writ- like written these beautiful pop songs for them to sing because that's what he did over the course of Semisonic's three album span was like just write really touching, heartfelt, like kind of like hard on the sleeve pop songs. Yeah, singing in my sleep being a prime example yeah. of that. Oh, I love that song. Like so much. my yeah, so I was I always go back to uh, Secret Smile. Like I still think Secret Smile is like prob- yeah. like probably the one of the best pop songs like ever written that nobody ever fucking talks about. Cause like, it just never, it was never released as a single and it was never like, yeah, like track five on an album that like closing time was number one on. So if anybody listened past closing time, you get closing time singing in my sleep and then like some other stuff and then secret smiles, a couple tracks into it. And like, by that point, the average attention span is probably like, no, I heard closing time already. I'm done with this CD. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, which is like a huge shame. Cause like they're, Excuse me. Like he was really good. Oh shit! I didn't even notice. He also worked with Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor <laughs> Swift right. and Pink and Adele. Tay, tay. So he, like he's ha- he's had this weird career 
as a kind of ghostwriter for massive pop acts and just couldn't get it together with his little pop band to like do anything decent. But I still love all three of these albums. You worked with uh, Fan- Fantagram yep. too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And with and with Weezer, I wonder. I actually wonder if because uh, um, he apparently was also a Harvard grad. I wonder if he and Rivers might have been contemporaries at Harvard. Although I think he's a little older than. Also, I think. Um, well, 1983 is what it says. He graduated in 1983. So yeah, and I have a feeling Weezer or Rivers was like late 80s, early 90s grad. Well, he was or, still. Well, no, because he, he, he was. Right? He was still in college. Yeah, in the mid 90s. Yeah. So okay. also, like, I think Dan Wilson's like he studied. I want to say visual. No, wait. Well, apparently he he wrote some uh, or did some production on some not a surf songs. There you too. go. See, like he's just had this weird career outside of like being semisonic. But I like I think semisonic deserved way more attention than they got. Just because I mean, you still hear closing time to this day every once in a while, like just wandering around like at a bar. Every time you're at yeah. a bar until yeah, closing, you close the bar down, yeah. you probably hear closing <laughs> time. Um, <laughs> last time I closed a bar down, I I definitely heard it. I may have put it on the jukebox because of that, but that's you know, there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like if if you have uh, any kind of desire for like a nice like guitar driven pop band, I think Feeling Strangely Fine is probably one of the best albums that came out in like that late nineties time that just got kind of overlooked because it had that one hit single and that was kind of the end of it. And 1998 was also a 1997, 1998 was a kind of a fucking giant year for guitar kind of fronted music. It's probably the last big year for that kind of stuff. So, cause then Limp Bizkit came along a couple of years later and killed the whole fucking thing. And that was the end. <laughs> yeah. And we just had Nickelback. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, rap. And then rock. we've just had Nickelback since then. It's just been a sad, sad. No, he's, he seems to be uh, Mike Doughty's go-to producer yeah. as well. Wow, this dude's uh, got he's a super prolific. Laundry yeah, list he's of, like yeah, people that he's, he's worked with. He's had like an amazing fucking career, and like it started off as like Semisonic, which is just like this band that I always love and is always on my phone, like whatever iPod phone, whatever I'm, I have with me, and it's always one of those things. I'm like, oh, I don't really know what I want to listen to. Uh, Semisonic, fine. I'll just put Feeling Strangely Fine on again, <laughs> okay. get kind of weepy, and then move on with my day because whatever. But yeah, Feeling Strangely Fine is an awesome CD, and Secret Smile is the song. Like, if I had to pick a song, that's the one I would go with. So there you go. Nice, awesome. I did not know that Semisonic had that uh, extensive a uh, well, not extensive a catalog, but quality of catalog yeah. so that's one that i might have to go back yeah. and i definitely check. think you should go listen to like feeling strangely fine especially is like just like a, such a good album from front to back i think you uh, is it like is it kind of like a sloney feel it feels like it would be kind, uh, not as what would it be close not as moddy as sloan kind of has tendency to okay. be but like yeah yeah i could see that i think like poppy poppier like softer weezer like new pornographers Plas- plaskett or something like yeah, that i or? guess you could probably yeah that's a that's a fair comparison too there's there's some of that in there okay. i would just go listen to that record like if you like closing time and just like listen to the whole album like you'll probably find something mm-hmm. else you like in there it's pretty good i like it a lot what was the album called before it was the great the divide, great divide. That had fascinating, fascinating thing, thing. On fnt FNP. yeah that that song was on uh, 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack, and it's, it's a catchy <laughs> yeah. song, too. It's so Actually, good. I've probably heard that song, then, because I'm pretty sure I have the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack. Yeah, it's on there. Well, the the song that they're, uh, when they're having the paintball match, Heath Ledger and Julia mm. Stiles, R.I.P. Heath Ledger, um, they that's a fascinating new thing. And R.I.P. Julia Stiles. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, do you guys have any, like, sh- like quick, like, shout-outs you want to? What? 
I don't get to do three. You guys get to yeah, do three, and I don't get to do three. Did, did I skip you? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I totally... <laughs> After Mandy Moore, you don't yeah, get was, another. Maybe that's what it was. I was so thrown by the Mandy Moore pick. I was just like, no, I think I'm done. I don't want to listen. No, we're, no, we don't need to hear any more from this guy. The, this one is much more up your alley, right. I think. Um, so the my last pick is called Gorky Zygotic Monkey. Uh, now, the name of the band is possibly one of the reasons that they never went anywhere. <laughs> no, uh, because they are a Welsh band, and they've been they were around for about fifteen years, starting in nineteen ninety one ish, and they got a lot of buzz from John Peel, the yeah, BBC Peel Sessions one. Guy. Yeah, um, and so they have had a really weird career where they've had like a fluctuating. Uh, lineup of members and they i'm stretching the definition of the word hit a little bit because the reason i ever found out about these guys is because of the commercial for the alternative music video show called the wedge on much music they had um the commercial that they played for years and years and years had this one piece of music where it was dogs barking very melodically and I was like, what the fuck is this okay. song? And it was so weird. Well, that's and like, so um, the song that's is like the refused. Like, I no idea. Can I scream? Yeah. Can I scream? Which is like, they're not. <laughs> yeah. they're actually, they, they were my, like my honorable mention for this, like, group of records. The refused. Because, yeah. like, that's the only song anybody knows by them. But, like, every, everybody yeah. who was in Canada at that time and, like, watching much music, whenever they were trying to pump, pimp, was it much loud? Yeah, yeah it, was it was much, much loud. loud. The commercials yeah, for absolutely. much loud were just constantly looping the the uh the new noise by the yeah. refused yeah so so when the when and because of much loud and uh the fact that they occasionally played the wedge like once a week uh on weekends um this little bit of dog barking music was driving me crazy for the longest time and i finally saw the video on yeah. the wedge when i watched it and it was poodle rockin by gorky zygotic monkeys uh and the, <laughs> Say that name again, the spelling sorry. Uh, <laughs> Gorky's zygotic Gorky's monkey. Zygotic and, monkey. Uh, I like. I need to. I need monkey to, is and this, spelled M Y M Y N C I. They're Welsh. They're Welsh. They nothing makes sense in Wales. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. <laughs> so the reason I picked them is once I saw Poodle Rock and I'm like, okay, this this can't be it because it was such a. It's a. The video is like a, a claymation band of dogs playing, and the the song was just so weird. So I went to see what else they had because they were start they were starting to reissue their discography, um, their albums, what their discography when they started going on to a major label, like they signed on to Mantra Records, okay. uh, eventually a Fontana Records, then Mantra Records, and I listened to probably one of their better known albums called Barafundal, and it is some of the most beautifully lush kind of psychedelic folk. I've heard ever. It is absolutely gorgeous. And I think one of the reasons, uh, other than the really fucked up name that they picked, because they picked it just to literally, the quote is, we might as well stick with the r- most ridiculous crap we can think of. And so they picked this name, but it's so disparate from the the music that they make. Like some of their stuff, like Poodle Rockin' makes sense for that, but the rest of their stuff is just so gorgeous it's a like multi-instrumental psychedelic folk kind of stuff 
And Barrafundal is the album that I would recommend overall. The album that uh, what's what's Poodle the Rockin is from came out a little what's later. The, the album Barrafundal is the name of the album. Their, but the one that's Spotify, like I that is probably because they like that's ten albums or something like that. Yeah, they switched over from okay. Barrafundal was released on Fontana yeah. Records, I think, and then they switched yeah. over to Mantra. So yeah, their uh, album, like, why. but their like their label is listed like they were on Angst for two album, three albums, and then Fontana for one, and then Mercury, and then over to Mantra, Mercury. and then Sanctuary. Which yeah. I I feel like I know the Sanctuary. Like Sanctuary has bands that I know on it too. Yeah, they have they they're a band that suffered a lot from like a, too many creative influences and a lot of like fluctuation in band politics and like trying to hit commercial success while still being a little too weird for it. I feel like if their career had shifted by maybe five or six years forward in time, they could have caught on to like more internet fame because they have, there's a lot of, a lot to love on these albums, but they are weird as hell. And like their one song that is still in the public consciousness off of their the album after Barrafundal Spanish Dance Troupe and it's Poodle Rockin'. It's a novelty song. Kind of same reason Not a Surf isn't known for anything else. Yeah. Novelty song. Yeah. It's just, it, it was a really weird song and not a lot of their stuff sounds like Poodle Rockin'. So, but I still recommend their discography in general, especially the album Barrafundal. It is fantastic. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Huh. I'm like, I don't know how I've never heard of these guys. Even just like, I would think I would have heard of them based on the weird name alone. And like, <laughs> we watched the wedge like religiously when we were growing up too. So I don't know. Why I kind of missed that. Yeah, we did. It's interesting. Even their Wikipedia article says that they're like sort of legendarily uh, unappreciated. It says Gorky's have the ignominious distinction of being the only group with eight UK top 75 singles without ever making the top 40. Huh. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> They've had singles that got to 41, 42, and 43, but never cracked the top 40. <laughs> yeah. like the I like the, an underdog story, but I feel bad for them because they, they, do, they did deserve better than what they got, but they, were, they just came out at the wrong time. If they had more word-of-mouth success, and they were backed by John Peel at the beginning of their career, so, like, that was the beginning of it, but, it, like, because they're their styles fluctuated so much throughout their career before they ended up breaking up. Uh, it just, they never quite cohered and they never got the success that they really deserved. So, yeah. This is the weirdest goddamn video I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the, the Poodle Rockin' video? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really fucking, like... Worse than fish heads? Uh, it's, it's uh, you know what, oddly, very, like, simpatico kind of thing. Like, there's some synchronicity there, I think. <laughs> those, two, those two videos, fish heads and uh, uh, Poodle Rockin', are what I think of when I think of the way. Yeah, Poodle Rockin', uh, yeah. this, this kind of makes me think of, uh, like, when the flaming lips get really weird is kind of, like, the best way I yeah. could describe this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they worked with super furry animals. Okay, that yeah, that so, makes sense. <laughs> makes a lot, yeah. Right. So yeah, they're it's they're fucking weird, but I love them. I, and like, if you want pretty fo- some pretty folk, Barrafundal, listen to the album. It's great. Fair enough. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. You guys have any like quick shout outs you want to make while you're? I mean, I uh, could do another yeah. episode of this for sure. 
Cause you yeah. see, I was uh, I was kind of tapped after like pretty quickly after uh, after one round of these. So my mine tended to fall more into pop categories because they're like or like just a shit ton of new wave bands from the eighties. Um, but if I have to shout out for an honorable mention, it would be um, Amory. Uh, she was an R and B singer, most known for a song called "One Thing." Um, okay. And that song that song is still sampled a lot within the hip hop and R and B community because it's like unimpeachably catchy it's so good um so check it out on youtube or something because one thing by emery fantastic yeah yeah because the only other the only other band i had that was like oh i i I think they should have been more popular than they were i think but i don't know like if they're one hit wonders or not was like i said placebo like i love placebo Mm -hmm. but they never really had like a ton of charting singles or anything like that just pure morning i think right pure morning yeah 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 and I think it's I the caveat of of like, do they deserve better than? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of one hit wonders do not deserve better than yeah. their no, one no, hit, no. and probably yeah. didn't even deserve their one hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I that's I think that caveat like makes it limits it, but I think in a good way because like it gives you something to talk about. Like it gives you like then it's not just like oh remember this one song. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I'm we're done. Do- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a good song. <laughs> yeah, it was a good song. Did you ever hear any of the other stuff? No. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Where it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, on the off chance we don't end up ever doing another one of these, I'll I'll just spit out four or five that I had listed. Brand Van 3000, which are basically only known for drinking in LA, had some awesome oh. other songs as well. Yes, God, I, I, I fully I agree. So, so sick of that song, like Big Shiny <laughs> yeah. Tunes. Like, I was so... Yeah, they... They deserved a little bit better, I'd say. I don't, I don't, they, I don't, I don't think they did. Honestly, <laughs> I think they, they had some really solid other songs uh, on that album and on uh, one of their other albums as well. Oh, Discosis had um, "Astounded" on it, which had the yeah. Curtis Mayfield uh, sample move, yeah. from "Move On Up." Yeah, that song was amazing. I love mm-hmm. that song. I yeah. sat through one of their live sets once, like as they were opening for like somebody else, like I'm Mother Earth or something like that. At one point, and I was just like, "Wow, these guys are." really obnoxious and i'm really <laughs> glad i'm not driving so that i can drink through this so. andrew wk was another one that might just be a personal one for uh, me okay like i he saw just, him live yeah he's so good yeah i because yeah. of party hard yeah but party hard is a great song but all like that whole fucking album of just like fucking party yeah. anthems well all of this stuff yeah. is all just party anthems but he's, yeah. he has sort of like a cult following so i feel like he has like made a pretty good living out of what he's doing yeah I have a, I, he falls into a, the same kind of category I put Danko Jones into, where it's just like, yeah, it's Danko totally Jones was one I thought about for this too. Yeah, but he's had a couple songs that I like though, but I'm like, uh, did any of them ever really like make an impact? But mm-hmm. I mean, it's neither here nor there, I guess. Like, <laughs> I like, he's playing like, uh, I just, he's playing like next weekend or something like that, like in Toronto. I was thinking about going just because. He seems like a, fun he night on a good show. Set. I've never seen him. He, like, I've seen him a couple yeah, times. It was does. a lot of fun. Yeah. Danko was fun. So. Kind of a douche, but fun. Yeah. Let's see. I'll just throw two more. Uh, the Danny Warhols only ever really got play for Bohemian Like You, but they had a lot uh, of good shit. Veronica Mars opening credits. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not watch friends. Veronica Mars. Yeah. They used, uh, they used, uh, uh, we used to be friends. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. Said it. Okay. We used to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't, I'll always remember, you know, a long time ago. And it's, it's, I immediately think Chris Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, exactly. Ah, Kristen Bell. <laughs> but Danny Warhol's like laid ground for a lot of later stuff too. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know if you 
get like stuff like uh, Queens of the Stone Age without having Danny Warhol's like ten yeah. years prior kind of thing. They were also pretty like uh, they're like they're a New York band, right? So like they kind yeah. of like I feel like they kind of seeded the the fucking ground for uh, stuff like the Strokes to happen a couple years after the fact, yeah. like Strokes and Interpol and like that kind of stuff to kind yeah. of come up after the fact. So yeah, definitely. Um, and then the darkness never really ever got play in the U.S. At least for anything besides I believe in a thing called love. But I I love the darkness. They were just opening for Guns N' Roses actually on the on the oh so you, did you see them? No, like the the current tour, like the current leg of the tour, like the one that oh, we okay. just saw is is like an evening with Guns N' Roses. So like they just play like a three hour set. There's no opener, but on the end of the last like leg of the stadium tour, the Darkness was one of the openers. Like they had a ton of huge bands opening for them, like the Darkness, and they, they for a little run they had the Deftones, and then a fairly extensive run that did not include anywhere near me was it was Alice in Chains, which mm. would have been awesome to see because it's been a couple of years since they've hit Toronto, and that pisses me off because yeah. I'd like to see them again. I, I think the darkness hit a lot harder, a lot bigger in the UK than they did in the US, yeah. and they still got a lot of play over there. But in the in North America, anyways, they never really uh, quite caught on to that same level, and I think they deserved it. They're a big uh, like like European festival kind of band. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they're probably Danko Jones is like that too for some reason. Like really? not to go back to him, but like mm-hmm. huge in Europe, like hmm. huge in Europe. Like he, I don't think he even lives in Canada anymore. I think he's moved over to Europe and just like tours there weird all year every year and like makes a fucking killing because they love him at those big like big because they have those big metal festivals and stuff yeah that like the darkness hardly fucking metal Eh, yeah but he's fun you know what i mean and like half the time those big metal festivals aren't really like they're for they're not really there for like really hard metal it's they're all that weird symphonic like yeah uh sword and sorcery kind of metal which is more just like viking yeah cosplay bullshit (laughs) you know what i mean yeah fair enough yeah. Hey, don't talk shit. You might be alienating a fan. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> your your fan, one fan. Yeah. One yeah. Fan. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. Was that uh, was that all you had, Tim? Yeah. Like I said, I I mean, I th- I only got through like part of my iTunes library. I I could probably come up with more, but I. Uh... That, that's enough for now we'll have to uh, i'll have to look again and see if i can pick out some more bands because those were the like the three that kind of stuck out to me when yeah. I, we, we were talking about doing this so i'll have yeah. to i might have to go look again and see if i can pull any other ones cool so thanks for listening everybody um you can let us know if you have any like one hit wonder bands you thought deserved better uh on our facebook page hopefully this will foster some discussion the way we've been having recently on on the page it's been a lot of fun kind of having everybody <laughs> poke in there and i got to shout out tim tim is like kind of become like de facto social media kind of like gets in there and replies immediately because i sometimes i know christy like does not at all and i sometimes <laughs> kind of just like after i organize and edit and like put the podcast up i'm like i don't want to deal with the fucking podcast shit anymore <laughs> so, yeah whereas i'm uh, i uh, i use it to procrastinate work yeah yeah there's that <laughs> for sure uh, i have other ways of procrastinating on work stuff so <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so you can find us on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash dance robot dance uh, podcast. Uh, our Twitter is at DRD underscore podcast, or you can shoot us an email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. Uh, give us a read on review on the Apple Store. It kind of helps us, would help us get more listeners, which would be lovely eventually, I guess, <laughs> so that we can not rely on Christy never sharing the podcast good times all right so this has been dance robot dance i'm mark saying good night paul's in korea thanks for having me again guys it was fun yeah always and tim say good night what was, was that? that closing time no it's uh the in the meantime opening
Clearly clearly played really well there. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. <laughs>